previously on Martini Giant. If I'm, I'm going to stay on the criticism train for a little while because I know that Eric didn't like this movie, and I want to give him some thread to work with. But like, Spacey is ah, ah, the is so, like Union guy. I want to give him a little thread to this guy to work with. That's like a roadie for Kenny Rogers and stuff like that. I want to hey, give you a little. Kenny, you know, you got to know when. You remember I said that time you got to know when to fold them, right? That's you got to know when to hold them, kid. Come on, I want to give you a little thread to work with here now, son. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 67, which is Moon, directed by Duncan Jones in 2009, combined with Robot and Frank, directed by Jake Schreier from 2012. These are both very independent films and very much sci-fi films uh, that are, shall we say, pulling above their weight class in terms of the production value and the cost of this movie. Uh, really interesting, really well done, fantastic acting and character development. And uh, the common thread is it's uh, both movies about robots with empathy, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, really like this. This is actually uh, one of my suggestions. Uh, I think the guys really enjoyed it as well. And it was a really good recording and a really great podcast. Really enjoyed it. A uh, couple reminders. Uh, we do have a new website. So if you just go to martinigiant.com, I mean, it's the same domain, but new website, been redesigned. It's got a lot of cool new features in it. Uh, and we also avail, uh, have a merch store available there. If you would like to buy a Martini Giant t-shirt or a Martini Giant mug or some of our special edition stuff, go check it out. It's oh, And we change all our special edition stuff all the time. So just go to martinigiant.com, check out our store, and we have a store available on Threadless, and you can go there, and it's a lot of fun. So let us know what you think. Additionally, we've reminded you a couple times, uh, we are recording all of our podcasts on Twitch now, and that is actually, we do it live with an audience, and uh, that is a really great way for us, for you guys to participate and be part of the podcast if you enjoy doing that. And... You guys can be part of the chat and do that. And if you'd like to support us on Twitch, you guys can basically sponsor us there, right there. You can basically say, I'd like to give these guys five bucks a month or whatever it is. You guys can do it right there and we'd appreciate it. And we're working out any benefits that those have. We're still sort of learning the Twitch ropes, shall we say, but we'd love to be able to do that, including the fact that I think if you guys have an Amazon Prime account, you guys can donate uh, one free sponsorship a month and you guys can donate to us so that'd be great if you guys want to be part of that we'd really appreciate it um anyway remember that is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant that's again twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant and we record every saturday at 3 p.m pacific standard time that's gmt minus eight and if you guys want to be part of it that's what would be a cool time to do it um and uh yeah anyway and when we don't do uh podcasts we do watch parties and those tend to be hilarious and they are forever on twitch never as a podcast highly recommend joining us for a watch party i think this saturday at least that's the plan as of right now is we're going to be doing iron sky which is a movie about nazis that have been hiding on the dark side of the moon Oh my God, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so, so bad. It's going to be so much fun. All right. Anyway, this is not a bad movie. This is a good sci-fi, two good sci-fi films, Robot on Frank and Moon. Enjoy. We are going to pretend like this is the beginning of the podcast, and we are going to be talking today about two very special indie sci-fi films, both involving uh, robots uh, that uh, play an unusual role of empathy. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what made you choose those two, Chris? Because I thought they were dead on uh, in their pickings. And I was very uh, impressed. I thought it was good. Uh, I appreciate that. Sorry, there's some guys posting a bunch of stuff on Slack right now. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's, these, are, these are, well, first of all, I've loved Moon. I've always loved Moon. Uh, I thought Moon was a fantastic film. Great premise, simple story. Was that the mm-hmm. first time you've seen it? No, no, no. I've seen it many times. I, this uh, is the first time for both films. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because you don't like sci-fi. I'm not a sci-fi guy. But you and are a Bowie guy. I love Bowie, but I'll be honest with you. It was on my, it was on my list for a while, a while, a while. But then mm-hmm. once Bowie died, I was like, oh, I don't want to go down this road. Um, so I didn't. Well, he has nothing to do with it. David. I mean, besides yeah, being his son. his son. I know, but it's just like, yeah, I don't want to do well, that. Well, there's a sort of novelty, right, to going like, has the talent been passed on? And I think that when when Moon was first advertised, I, that like I was like, I definitely love Bowie. And this will be either one thing or the other. It's going to be like, oh, it's David Bowie's son. And he, you know, because he's semi, you know, he's connected to fame. Someone gave him some money to make a movie, and it's probably not going to be very good. Trudy or, Styler, she produced it. Trudy Styler, yeah. And, and so, like, it's either going to be a, is, basically a how connected movie. can you be if right. Trudy Styler is producing for you, man? Right. Well, who's so, like, Trudy you know, Styler? That's Sting's wife since the eighties. Right. Right. There you go. And so the so, uh, you know what I mean. So it's like it's total royalty. I mean, to get her to produce your film. Zowie Bowie, yes, exactly. So, like, it's one of these things where you like, there's a before you know anything about the guy, like, and I think it's understandable. You go like, this could just be a vanity project. Like, it's maybe it's not any good because he he's just rich and connected to famous people, and that's how it works. But instead, it turns out to be great. <laughs> like, yeah, like he makes and he makes a also, sort of science fiction film that you want to see made. It's also super efficient, right? It is. It's a, it's a it's a it's a movie about isolation which is a typical thing that's used in horror films because uh, that's how you make it cheaper. But this was not a horror film uh, necessarily, but a very interesting concept. Right. It, it I mean, could be the COVID movie of all time. I'll tell you that. It could be. Like it's the isolation movie. It is the isolation movie. <laughs> like No one is, is, is isolating at home more than Sam Rockwell in this movie. Like forever. Right. Three years of not talking to people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I definitely it was felt really, that way. Here's the other thing about it. I thought even, I know I don't want to talk about effects too much, but the map paintings, they were kind of flat but beautiful. They were like, it just worked. There's a it lot of miniatures a, in here too. Yeah, it was just great. It just worked. You bought it and it was just really. Yeah, there's a lot of old really, school charm, but it's not like, yeah. it's not played yeah. as a gimmick. They just feel like nope. this is the style we're working in. And the style, the style is very typical of a lot of sci-fi films. They're not looking at something very unusual at all. What really is unique about it, oh no, is Dan gone again? Am I gone again? Am I gone no. again? I'm nope. gone again. Uh, yep. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah, and you just dropped off the thing as well. I can oh. hear you. Uh, but you see, the thing is, now that I've moved... Uh, I can I can get you back. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, you're back now. And just in case, um, I can get you back real fast. 
I don't know what's going on where you lose connection to you. Okay. It is a cursed stream, but we're back. We should be back, hopefully. Come on. Come on. Nope, you're not coming back as a stream. So uh, that means, Dan, that, that, no, I just need you to leave and come back. So he's going to leave and come back. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about what this movie is about. For those of you who have not seen uh, this film, uh, it is takes place on a moon base. Thank you for rejoining. It takes place on a moon base, and uh, it is about um, Sam Rockwell, who is the sole human that lives on this moon base. Um, and there's Dan. He's back. So we're back. Um, so within that moon base, uh, basically what happens is that um, – they are mining, <laughs> speaking of cryptocurrency, uh, helium-3, which is this fictional thing that's going to it's clean power for the entire planet, right? Um, yep. So, uh, and he is working on this base, helping with the machines that are mining. He's the only human there. He's basically maintaining all the robots, which are just machines that are doing things, right? Um, and he has a companion who is a robot that's a, kind of a cool way of doing a robot. He's like the whole base with these hanging arms that kind of yeah. float around. <laughs> really smart. And it's super cheap. I mean, this was all done with some cheap, cheap stuff. But, uh, and the voices... So do you think they used a mechanical arm just controlled off screen just to do that? No. Like touch yeah. him and stuff like that? It was really yeah. smart. Yeah, no, I think I mean, it's all very lo-fi. And they sort of, they, they lean into the lo-fi aspect of it in, in every possible way. You know, so like, like it's a little rickety, you know, in sort of like a, this makes it feel real way. And uh, and then as we were discussing before with the, the, the VFX, like the VFX being more handmade fit into it's the flavor beautiful. Of the film yep. really, really nicely. And uh, because like, I think that we, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, but it's just like being in the visual effects industry, like it's, there's a sort of monotonous look that happens with large scale pipeline stuff. And yes. this does not have that look. This is a really, really uh, handcrafted bit of visuals. And like, there's some CG augmentation that's happening, um, but it's not extreme. And uh, it really sort of boosts uh, the level of what's happening. And, uh, and, the, and it sets a great tone, uh, sort of a dreamy tone for the whole movie that I really, really liked. Right. Uh so what we quickly find out is that he's been on the planet or on the planet. He's been on the moon for three years by himself and he's like kind of gone a little crazy and that he has been uh, 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 tagged to go home. He has two weeks or something like that till he goes home. Um, also, what we find out is that he has lack of lack of communication with the outside world. He can only send messages and wait for him to come back. Can't send direct messages or talk to people on the planet. So you can send a message and get thanked back. That's what happens. And you kind of quickly, things start to seem a little odd. odd yeah. And then he starts to go out to in his little moon rover to inspect one of the big diggers who's digging helium-3. 
And uh, the he and what happens when they do that is that he has an accident because he thinks he saw something outside, uh, and he crashes into the into the rover, and uh, that's that's what happens. Then you uh, next scene he is in an infirmary and he's waking up, and when he does that you uh, assume that he's recovering from the crash. But what you find out is that he doesn't have any memories of the crash and he's going to check on the rover. And then when he goes to the rover, he sees someone in a spacesuit who's dead. <laughs> right. And he re what you realize basically is that the person that woke up in the infirmary is not him, but basically a, his, a, is. is a clone of him. Right. And so to give you guys a little, you know, a, you know, cut to the chase, basically what's happening is he is a person, there's a bunch of clones and they get woken up every three years and they play this role that happens and then they, they recycle them and then they wake up the next clone and the then they recycle them. them and they incinerate them. Right? right. And so it's the same person. And after three years, their body, his body deteriorates and he can't live anymore. Right. That's basically what you figure out over the course of this thing. And so all of the memories he has are implants that are in there. And, in and fact, this is all done basically to like to give him a fiction to live by that motivates him until they right. can get full use out of it. Which him. is very Blade Runner. Very yeah. Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah. Right? And it has a um like I think that like yeah, it fits it fits very much in the same Blade Runner themes. And I think that that it like it really points out the like it's a it's uh what it, what I think of it, it it examines over like uh, uh like expands away from Blade Runner and expands is like it makes it very relatable to say people like real people working in corporate jobs and how there's a promise of greater success or you will have a house or don't worry it's all gonna be great just keep on working and working and working and then yeah, at the end you'll get your prize. bonus <laughs> get your bonus it's but great you see that's the kind of stuff they talked to also about in Alien. Yeah, they covered a, a lot of that, that in Alien. They're always worried about their bonuses. Right. And so, like, it's we lost a, Dan it, again. But oh that's all right. Dang it. Dang so it. You a lot it. of those themes, too, um, they covered in, uh, like, Alien or the one with Sean Connery that we saw. Uh, it's always that. Which Sean Connery film? The one we, Outland. Oh, Outland. Yeah. Are you it's back? always just about money, right? people uh, put up there in these situations dan if you can hear us we need you to get rejoin uh, obs ninja sorry about that guys and we are sorry about technical issues i've been plagued by them all week are you back there yep we're back here we're yep. doing that yeah yeah. But basically what I was saying, Dan, is like that same type of thing that you saw in Alien where everyone's just worried about their money. And this is, you know, you get the real worker, like the workers, like their blue collar jobs up there. Right. And yeah. uh, the same thing. But it's all deception. It was a really uh, I thought it was a hard performance to maintain. And he did it flawlessly. Right. To be able to have that back and forth and really see how they progress. Right. right. So just so so the, the acting that we've been talking about, Sam Rockwell, and how amazing Sam Rockwell is, is the acting that he pulled off is he basically acted with his deteriorating self and mm -hmm. his new self talking to each other and going through the process. Right. And they did it with some very clever tricks, lots of, you know, uh, like, you know, 
tied off cameras with him and left and right that that worked in some way there's a couple of other foreground background stuff that they did that worked pretty well as well but the, honestly it's the way that the conversation was maintained it's the performance not the vfx yeah. oh. the performance was it's very hard to do what they did and he just did yep. it and it worked and then you see their character's arc really when he was uh, one of the characters is totally bloodied mess because he's kind of fading and right. it absolutely maintains. I mean, it's absolutely a great character study piece. Yeah, and um, I think as uh, Dave Three points out, like he makes them really distinct. Like he he makes yeah. like uh, not, like him in these different versions of himself are characters that you they feel like the same personality at different points in his life. And right. so to maintain this sort of like conversation between two different eras of Rockwell. Um, that you've come it's like to talking to your past self and your and your future self, right? Right, right. And 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 it's kind of a weird idea to do that. And future self is not necessarily all wise. Future self is deteriorating and fading, and not necessarily not all with yet, it. Though. Not all, not with it. And past self is lack of experience or knowledge or anything right. else. The bravery like- of the past self, the the younger one, where he's like. He's very. He sacrifices himself. He's like, look, you go, you yeah. go back and make it happen. That right. that bravery that he did, and the the consideration he had for essentially his double, right. was crazy. Right. Yeah, it's great. It was, I mean, like, really, it was like two brothers. And yeah, and the thing is, like, what's really sort of curious about this movie is like going, going off the idea that this is like a commentary on how uh, you know, like, especially in America, where we're sold a, a you know. Uh, uh, or sold a bag of goods on like uh, how if you work really hard, you'll get the payoff in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a, they also tie this into uh, aging out. And, uh, and so like, there's a, like, you know, when you're in the middle to tail end of your career, say like some of us, uh, the, that, uh, the effects, yeah, the effects sure. right. Like you start to go like, Oh fuck, I'm, the old rotting Sam Rockwell now, like I'm the, right. the, it's, it's time for me to be incinerated soon. And, uh, and the uh, like, it, I, it's a, it makes it very, very easy. The movie makes it very easy to identify in a way that like, and this is no diss to Alien or Blade Runner, who, which are two of my favorite movies of all time. But like those movies make the, uh, let's say like Blade Runner is a, is a broader statement about relations between humans and outland is a very specific statement about uh, blue collar workers but this one is like really made me like really connected to me emotionally with actual everyday people's jobs. Like it's uh, like, it's, it's a high enough level job that if I think it feels like almost everybody I know is in this kind of a position where it's just like, you're, you're kind of feeling dead endy. You're like, it's sustainable ish, but you're being phased out simultaneously. And uh, you have these new, you know, new people coming in that are full of piss and vinegar, and the uh, and you're at the and you're at the same time you're like, I'm starting to realize that this is a screw job, and I'm trying to tell you it's a screw job, and you're too uh, enthusiastic to believe that you'll get screwed also. Uh, and I was that way when I was young, and uh, and from their point of view, it's just like, shut up, old man, you're just you know, like you're just bitching because you're you know? getting old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, so the movie manages to cover all this. This also crosses over with Robot and Frank, obviously, right? Um, and with the sort of like very gentle, very empathic uh, look at every point of view. Like it doesn't just say those young folks don't know what they're talking about because there is a validity to that point of view that 
they play out. And right. there is a validity to the dying Sam Rockwell that they point out. And this, uh, that voice is given through um, Kevin Spacey's robot in this very, very gentle and empathic and understanding and most of all sort of inevitable way. Like it's a trap you can't get out of and Spacey is there to try to shepherd you through it as best he can. Right. But he knows the secret, which is you're fucked. Well, you know? here's the thing. He's that's very sympathetic towards him. Towards that's that. the thing, right? His, that's the thing. We're so used to movies where the robot is there to protect a corporation and therefore you're getting screwed. The robot's job is to help the person and right. does it at any expense possible mm -hmm. as the most empathetic thing possible, right. which is also something that I think, you know, has been a misinformation for a long time. Like empathy can be learned on a computer. <laughs> you just have to program right. it in. It's yeah. not that robots are not an emotional in that sense. They're like they can, they can have empathy, which well, is, is very this, much shown. Right, this, like my job is to help you, whatever it is, including right. giving him the password that he shouldn't be having, you know, right, like right. Keeps it in for him. It's like, here's the password. Well, this is something, this, this is something I think is interesting just on a general way, because like, um, I think that there's a lot of argument against empathy these days. Um, uh, with people like you should not empathize with bad people. You should not empathize. Like it's, it's a, there's a, there's a, and like, and, and there's also sort of like, um, like, uh, the Ayn Randian fans are big on the idea that empathy is some sort of like sociological mistake. Uh, when empathy is just as, um, part of evolution and is part of a, like, it's a constructed thing from our genes. Like the reason why we feel it is because it's actually quite useful to humanity. Like, it's not because like we're spiritually good and we're just trying to be good people. Like it's good for the whole to have empathy. Sometimes it means that individuals buy it or suffer or whatever, but as a whole, it's there to keep the species alive. And so when you talk about robots, the idea that we think we find the idea of robots having empathy as alien because we ourselves sus are suspicious of empathy as being false, you know, as sort of like there's well, because it's mechanical. No, I think it's because we've been showing robots as evil in films for so long. Right. But they're, not, <laughs> but they're also not they're mechanical. They're made by us. They, yeah, because it, it's the Judeo-Christian values, maybe because it's not. Well, because no, like, it, it, we it, think it, that there's something uniquely human about empathy. When empathy is as much of a mechanic of human evolution as anything else is, and yeah, so it, you can program robotic. it into it. I think it's, right. it's it's a thing, right? Like, well, that's the thing. Like both of these robots in both of these films, their role is to be kind and supportive and help the person, even if it means doing things that are not necessarily legal. <laughs> Doesn't right. matter. We'll do it. We'll help you because this is my job. My job is to help you and to make you feel good. Right. Yeah, to make they, this easier on you. To make yeah. this easier on you. And I'm, I'm going to make sure you don't get hurt, which is incredible. Right. Right. It's an incredible message that happens on these things. And, and, and I love that. Honestly, I was like, oh, that's a, such a great, unique view of it. And so when I saw Robot on Frack, which I saw after Moon, but not long. I saw them around the same time. I was like, this is the same movie in such an incredible way. Right. In such right, an incredible for sure. way. So, so basically, what's that? Yeah, they're both oh. indie, indie pictures. Like, they're both very, like, they're yeah. both two million bucks, three million bucks. Right. 
And like uh, they they were able to attract uh, great cast members based upon the concept, right? And uh, and uh, but sort of a limited but very focused production uh, right. in both parts. And uh, and I think that that's a like it's a great like having to do that is just great indie film school. You know, it's like like you have to come up with an idea that's compelling enough that it seems to break past your production limitations. Um, is the goal of any indie movie. And I think in particular, like Moon is so successful at this because it makes, it doesn't just sort of take advantage of, um, uh, what can, how can I say it? Like, it doesn't just take advantage of like, you know, the, uh, you know, like, oh, we're, we only have an LA apartment to film in. So it's going to be your people arguing in an apartment. Uh, like uh. It, it makes, it goes like, we only can afford to build this one section of set really. Uh, so let's make this movie about loneliness. You know, and right. uh, and because and 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 feeling empathy for essentially for yourself and your early and forgiving your earlier self and uh, forgiving your older self uh, for the mistakes that you make and for the things that you're afraid of and uh, and 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 giving yourself room to uh, find an experience even within a very a tough situation. And I think that uh, that it's so much that it, like the production itself is symbolic of the story it's telling. And that's why it feels much, much larger as a story than it really physically is. And, uh, and that's the, that's just uh genius world building on, on, um, uh, his part. on his part. Yeah. Really, 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 really unique. Yeah. And, and he, and he proved that he can like, he also proved that he could direct by doing this other movie called uh, source code. Which is not as uh, sort of he didn't. I don't think he wrote the script for that. It's not as an inventive. He didn't movie, write but, the script for this one too, though. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He didn't write. He didn't write this. But like, he, like this is a much more actually deep, introspective movie than Source Code is. But Source Code is still with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, is a, a really cleverly done, nicely directed sort of Twilight Zone episode kind of movie. Uh, so I also really recommend that. Um, but what's interesting is that past this point. He gets instantly noticed, right, as a director, and um, and he gets brought into the machine, and he ends up directing like the World of Warcraft movie, and um, and Duncan a, Jones did Duncan Jones yeah. did that, yeah, and it's uh, which is too bad because like you know I'm not going to argue for it being a great movie, but like there's a great Duncan Jonesness to World of Warcraft that I liked. It's not a bad movie. It's got some real humor and some cleverness to it that I didn't expect. Yeah, but it's just, it's, you know, it's but, just like when they did the same thing with, you know, Gareth Edwards and I made him do Godzilla. Yeah. Know. It's just like, damn dude. Like it's like, that is a talk about it. Like that's a, that's a, that's a sad story. That's a sad turn in the story. Cause you make something like moon, like keep going that way. <laughs> right. So that's the thing, right? I remember, I remember specifically like I thought I had the chat with, with Tim Miller about this. It's like they, they'll take directors that are, that had a good film, like like a small independent good film or or a low budget film. They'll take someone like we did Deadpool and go, all right, Terminator. I'm like no, and he goes, but you know that's a sexy and attractive thing to say. It's hard for a director to say no. I do not want to work on the next Terminator because oh, it's sure. disaster. You know what I mean? And that's but probably I, what I, happened I, with Duncan I, Jones and Gary. I'd say I'd take it. I've only heard of one director, uh, uh, who did that. Right. Like who? Well, personally, from a story, um, that it was. I I don't know if I told you that or not. But when I worked on uh, Smoke and Blue in the Face, I used to have yeah. lunch with Jared Harris and oh, the yeah. guy who played Gus, 
in um, spring, yeah, in, uh, in Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yep. And the guy that lived on my street with the worst shoes in the world, and I love—I <laughs> thought he was great because I was dating a Puerto Rican girl at the time, and he was from Puerto Rico. He had the worst shoes, and it was Abe, and he was in uh, the walk-in movie. He played the bald-headed cop in King of New York. Oh, yeah, 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 right. He said to me at lunch once, like we were eating like a salad, and he was saying that they came to Abel Farrar at Con to do Carlito's Way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember this story. And he said, because he knew he's the only artist I know. He basically said, if I do Carlito's Way, then I'm mainstream and I'll be chewed up. So he wore a cardboard tie and he came drunk. I guess he made an ass of himself and he told everybody to fuck off. <laughs> that fits in with his, in his head of like the studio. <laughs> and then he walked off and they said, we're not going to give it to this guy. So in a way he maybe knows, I'm not saying he's a, well, he is a unique artist, but you know what you're good at and you know, you're not part of the studio system. Right. Right. Because why does- do it? Right, because the studio, like the studio, may in the moment of thinking, oh, you know who'd be great is Abel Ferrara. Like they're seeing, like there's something to whatever Bad Lieutenant or whatever it is that they're seeing, and they love, and they were like, oh yeah, if we could just package that, we could really like spice up uh, Carlito's way, right? And uh, and so they go in with good intentions, but the fact is, it's a studio. And like ultimately, and so like if Abel Abel Farrar had bought into that, right, he would have been like he would have come at them and said like, "Here's the Carlitos way I want to make," and it would have been fucking dirty and crazy, right, and probably great. And then it would have been really great, great. Yeah, would have been incredible. And uh, and no, I still I still like Carlitos way. I like De Palma. I'm a De Palma fan. But I, De Palma, I'm not a De Palma fan, and I remember Carlitos way. I like Carlitos way a lot, but I think. Abel Farrar would have done a really beautiful movie. Uh, a wholly movie. different movie that would have been insanely intense, right? And so I'm sure that he would have gone in, if he were to take that gig, he would have pitched that, and immediately the studio would say, no fucking way. You're making the movie we want you to make. And then Abel Farrar, or you know, insert anybody in this case, because there's a million directors that have gone through it, goes, oh shit, I'm tied to a train. Like, I, I don't have any... I, 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 I thought I could come in here and make the great Terminator movie. You know, like I thought, like, because I have great ideas, I trust myself, and now they're handing me the keys to the kingdom, and I can finally set the Terminator course correct. I want that job. I'm not saying, and that doesn't happen. I'm not saying I'm anywhere in league of the the Tim Millers of the world, great artists. I just, I think I'm so ingrained with that Woody Allen thing of like, why would you be part of a country club? I would never be part of a country club that would have me as a member. And I <laughs> right. think you know your limits. That's actually th- a Groucho Marx. It's a really Groucho it is Marx Groucho. Idea. He's quoting yeah. Groucho, but Groucho. at the beginning of Andy yeah. Hall, he's like, just to quote Groucho Marx, you know, and I think you know your limits. Do you yeah, know well, you, you, like, you know, like, I, I would probably do the same thing as, uh, I wouldn't wear a cardboard bow tie, but I wouldn't do stuff like that because you just know you would, the end yeah, you say no is, thanks. That, no thanks. I'd it's like just it. it would never. If you think you're going to get your ass handed to you and it would kill your career, right? You're probably right. Like there, there are a few directors who have made the transition successfully, but it's like it's a real touch and go situation. You well, know? just think about just think about going on set and the call sheet has like 300 names on it. I mean, just like you know, what I mean, every day. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like the thing is that, like, I mean, like I think you know, Tim Miller is a great director. 
And like, I didn't think I like the, I like that Terminator. I thought it was okay as its own movie. It's fine. Oh, it's that's good. fine. It's fine. It, it did. It did. Okay. And I mean, it didn't do, like, he, did, he, theaters, didn't do he, he did he not didn't do, do anything job. wrong. He didn't do he anything, didn't do anything wrong. wrong, but like, the he, system he was flawed to start yeah. with. Yeah. And like he, he, he's, listen, he's you, clearly on a, on track by the studio to make a certain movie. The studio wants to make, and there's and not a lot of ways out of that. And there's a lot. We'll look at what happened with the guys who did solo, right? They were doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like solo. When I, I think found there's it, enough, sorry, I think there's enough okay. outlets today. And if you're a great director like Tim Miller, who really is a, a oh, he's, he's generation he's great director, yeah. I'm serious. And it's not like that's my style. If she, but he's an accomplished director. There's yeah, so many right. outlets today, and so much that he can continue to make his style without having to pander. Right, like, right. And Dana's political. Well, I, th- I, I would be I would, working I would, for James I would, Cameron. I can only imagine how political that is. Sure. Yes. Well, I mean, like, oh, and, and the studio yes. involved with it. I mean, just, just yes. Terminator uh, itself like is shooting, just ridiculous. Like, sure. Right. And, and Dave no. says without Godzilla, Gareth Edward probably wouldn't have been given Rogue One. That's, That's true. So That's even though Godzilla was not a great film, Gareth Edwards at least had the experience of doing a major feature film, right? right. So he at least has that experience behind him. And I think that's true, Dave, that that's, that's something. Well, that and something to, to throw in about uh, Gareth Edwards. I really, I really admire Gareth Edwards because yeah. I love his original movie monsters, which is terrific. He's super and efficient. I love <laughs> yeah. Super efficient. Right. I love, I, I did not like Godzilla. I didn't think that was very nope. good, but it's not his, I don't think that's his fault at all. And I did, I love Rogue One. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies, but, but the production of Rogue One is very interesting because um what he delivered the uh, disney did not like and so disney uh forced some pretty extreme reshoots uh under it uh, uh, no it's not howard that's actually no, that uh, was for tony solo gilroy. Uh, tony gilroy who wrote and directed uh, michael clayton right oh, and yeah. uh, and and gilroy gilroy is a great director in his own right and one of the great modern screenwriters and so they brought him in he'd already worked with uh edwards i believe on doing some punch-ups uh, i forgot what for which for um but uh they brought him in saying like you're going to supervise these reshoots they did an enormous amount of reshoots and uh sort of based on gareth edwards uh initial flavor and style that he put out there they reconstructed the movie together in a way that made disney more happy with the output and now i don't know what the original cut was like but the thing that really impressed me is that gareth edwards continued to play ball with the studio and make the movie he wanted to make like he didn't just go i can't believe you're taking this movie away from me he didn't he didn't pull an orson wells he didn't he didn't just yeah he didn't go running down, and all props to orson but there's a reason why uh, magnificent amberson doesn't it doesn't exist as a final cut because you fucked off to south america that's why that happened <laughs> so like the uh that that he, this dude had the integrity to stick with the deal that he had on rogue one where it's just like okay well you don't want like my cut and you want to bring in another guy then i'm going to work with that other guy who i respect to deliver a, a movie that I still believe in. And right. I think that that like, that is a, that's the kind of thing. Like if you know you're making a deal with the devil, right. Don't be surprised when the devil tries to take their cut. Cause uh, uh, Disney is the fucking they're They're the devil and they're going to come and take their cut. And that's, what's going to happen. And uh, Edward seemed to have understood that and decided to play ball anyway. It's just like, I'm no offense. I get it. This is business. We're going to keep on following through. I think the same was true with, with the same was true with uh, Joe Kaczynski. When he did Tron, he was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go forward with this. I'm chalk it up to experience. Yeah. (laughs) 
You know and, what's, I mean? and what's weird is that like, Tron has been highly reappreciated as like yeah. a new millennial favorite. Yeah, like it's like that's a that's a I mean, like I because I I do like Tron. I think the the Tron sequel that we both we worked okay. on this movie. It's a it's a good movie. It's good. I mean, like the action scenes are pretty, pretty film. Great. It's a pretty it's film. A he concentrated beautiful film. It's concentrated on making it super pretty, which right. that was something that and the same thing he does with Oblivion, right? It's going to be right. super pretty, right? Yeah, and I also liked yeah. Oblivion too. I was I was an Oblivion fan. I liked that. I actually liked Oblivion more than Tron. Right. Um. But well, uh, I think my review was it was a uh, Banana Republic ad in the sky. agreed yes we hear that we have that criticism um but yeah it's highly related to moon as well (laughs) it's very similar to moon as a plot it's 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 much the same kind of story (laughs) which is strange to think about like huh it's, it's got duplicates. It's a living alone uh, yeah. clone person. Yeah, clone this guy's person. A, a, a we're going to go stuff. back to the planet. And right. Well. Exactly. Exactly. And, I th- and, and Moon pulls this off so gracefully. It's, yes. it's a classic. It's absolutely a classic. Because they kept the plot very simple. Yes. They kept yep. it very so. simple. And, and, and it's a complicated thing, but they didn't, they didn't go overboard with like complexity and story and everything else, uh, which is great, which yeah. is really, really yeah, good. Much agreed. Like that, that is a, that is definitely a, a modern favorite of mine. And it was sort of like a landmark of sci-fi in general. I was just like, this is the first hint that I'm getting that audiences are starting to catch on to the idea that I, sci-fi doesn't have to be dumbass explosions all the this time. This was with Moon. With Moon, yeah. yeah, yeah. And by the way, that is your type of movie that you would make. Oh, one hundred percent. Like that is my that is my vibe. One thousand percent. Like, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, I said this yeah. is a Dan Dan vibe film. This is totally yeah. you what you yep. would do it is and like and it has that because it really has this sort of like like it, i mean it's an entertaining movie like it's a, like there's no reason like people aren't gonna be bored by it because it's too arty it's a really good entertaining movie but it, it's unafraid to get weird you know and uh and let it be dreamy and let it be uh challenging um in totally uh novel ways because of the science fiction approach and like, I think that that's like it, because the way I, here's the way I always pitch it, Eric, when I, people don't like science fiction, I always say like science fiction, the best science fiction, the reason why I like it is because science fiction to me is like magical realism. It's a form of magical realism. Yeah. And, and, you, and you should, if you're going to do it right, then you have to treat it like that, where it's like the, all the sciencey stuff is simply symbolic of what you are saying. It isn't there for the novelty of being science. It's there for it being a physicalization of your theme. And if you can do that, then you're making a good movie, you know? And, uh, and it's funny. Cause like I was talking with Anne about this when we were watching robot and Frank is that like, uh, you take something like 2001, which is related to both of these movies. Yes. Like, like 2001, I think that people like talk about how beautiful it is and how genius it is and all the, all the how forward thinking it was now all this kind of stuff. But what they don't, pay attention to generally is that for me at least that is a very emotional movie and people don't think it is because almost nobody in the movie is emotional but that is part of the punchline of the movie to me and it's like and this is because and you can see this in moon like with this kevin spacey as the robot performance is obviously linked to hal right uh and like the gentleness of hal's voice um the computer from 2001 for anyone who hasn't seen it and uh with 2001 everybody in that movie is a basic uh, is a is, is a personality free non human except for two people, Dave Bowman and Hal, right? And the entire movie basically shows you humanity has this 
animal subsurface that they can't control. And on top of that, they put this fucking uh, Howard Johnson's fake ass surface. That it's all just like, oh, Doctor, blah blah blah. It's good to see you, blah. And they're just talking about bullshit. When Howard obviously, Johnson's fake. Ass. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, like they have all this like uh, this blank, uninterested unawe-inspired nonsense happening through all the movie until they get to the end. And the emotional part of the movie is that I realize that Hal is an awake, alive personality only when Dave is trying to kill him. Yeah. And once Hal starts to die and he starts to degenerate uh, and go backwards through his development uh, basically into a baby, like... Uh, I start to go, oh, fuck, don't kill that guy. He's literally the only other human in this movie. He may be a, a robot, but in this moment, I feel great empathy for him because almost all the other humans I've met are robots, you know? <laughs> and I think that the that in both of these movies, in both um, Robot and Frank and in, um, and in Moon, like the way that the robots are used for to sort of guide the emotional punch of the movie is profound and you can't do it outside of science fiction. Like this is something that science fiction does almost well, it allows by itself. You, it allows you to create an, a, what if this, and it would be slightly different yeah, I context. Thought those moments, I thought that the overlapping moments between those two films, and we'll get to uh, Frank and robot or robot and Frank um, is they both came to a point where if you reset me, then you'll be okay. Right? right. There was well, a moment. No, you can erase my memory because uh, erase, my, memory, my, my memory is going to incriminate me. But there was a beat, like in Frank and Robot, or Robot and Frank, he was like, he didn't want to do that because it was, we'll go, go over that. But yeah. in the other movie, Rockwell takes a beat, like, wait, I don't want to. There was like this, because he knows him, he talks to him, that there was this attachment he had to this machine in a way or a connection. And it's like, oh, you had to think for a second. But that's where I thought those connections between the two, the dependency upon that and getting to know it, particularly when he touched them too. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, there's, there's a, the way that I feel about uh, Spacey and Moon is like, I feel like there's, it's almost a uh, God forced, I guess. Like he, like there's a, they make him, Spacey sounds like hell. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. By the way, it's a true story. The robot in that movie actually sued Spacey for sexual harassment. It's right. a true story. <laughs> after shooting, after shooting, he filed. Yeah, yeah. all these it, all these freshly made robots were in his room. It was something about the USB-C port being violated. Poor so, robots. Yeah. <laughs> you look so muscular. Come and talk to me. Yeah, that's not a thunderbolt. Oh no! No. Poor <laughs> robots. Well, someone please speak for the robots. Yeah, the like, the like, but no, like, uh, obviously, uh, the, the nastiness of Spacey, uh, Spacey's life. Like, the uh, the performance is great and it's really uh, well used. Like, he is he's used right on point in this movie, and his voice is is exactly right. And I think that there's something there's really uh, because he has this very like it's very kind and very gentle and very. Um, uh, you know, empathic, but at the same time, he's part of why this is happening. Like, you know, so he's like, it, yeah, but know. he has a job. His job is not, his job is not to stop it from happening. Right. His job is to make sure it all goes through. So no, just make, that his job Sam is Rockwell to make sure is, that, that's, that, that Sam Rockwell's okay. 
Exactly. And so like, that's the, that's the weird God force nature of that, of that character for me, of that robot, where I'm just like, like this, there's an inevitability to the situation that uh, Spacey's robot understands. And, and he's just like, I'm sorry that I'm a part of why you are suffering. So I'm going to do my very best to make that not happen for you. Um, but we still got to go through with this. You know, and it's just like there's a there's a weird, gentle force of nature aspect to that that is very frightening as well as comforting. That uh, that I think is really sort of unique in that movie. I don't think there's any other movie that really approaches it quite that way. Like the but one Frank movie that covers some of that too. Like how it does cover some. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think that like Frank, Robot and Frank's robot is uh, is more of a device of uh, projection for Frank um, than than totally his own personality. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but it's sort of like, it's a way for Frank to realize his own issues. Right. Well, let's go and, through that story because apparently I'm like the only person on the planet that's seen this film. You guys haven't even seen it. Before. It's a great film, Chris, but it's I a really, really like good film. I loved it. I discovered it. I don't know how I discovered it, but I was like, I kind of want to see it. But this here's film. a question for everybody. Did you, where, how did you see it, Dan? This was my first time. No, no, but how did you see it? What was the? Oh, I, I watched. I, I literally just watched it before the show. Uh, like, uh, yes, streaming. but what? What streaming? Uh, Amazon, I believe. Oh, because I saw it on YouTube for free. Oh no shit! Oh really? Yeah, if you go bucks. to YouTube Movies, and I'll put the link for everybody if you guys want. Um, I'll do that, and so everybody can watch this for free. Okay. Well, I I saw. I I think I bought it. <laughs> no, for our viewers, our listeners, right? So, right. so it's a very, uh, a very simple story. It's similar to Sam Rockwell, uh, there's another the the actor, the main actor is someone who never plays a leading role. Oh, right. always usually plays a bad guy. Uh, Frank Langella. Frank Langella, who is, and he is the main character in this role. Um, I love Frank Langella. I have always loved Frank Langella, and right. I, I love him in this. And and is he. he yeah, yeah. I believe he's still. I believe he's still going. And he also, just as a side note, my favorite Dracula ever. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Donner, Donner's nineteen seventy nine Dracula is, for my money, like it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's my favorite Dracula ever made. Like that is easily, easily the most. Like it's actually scary. It's very creative, and it's got a great old spooky flavor, an old time, old time flavor, with good acting in it. And I really, really endorse that movie. Not to sidetrack, I just like Franklin John. Right. Um, so so it's a it's basically you find out that he is a he's an old guy who lives by himself uh somewhere in upstate New York. Uh, in Cold New Spring, York. that's where my Cold, fa- my brothers yep. lived for twenty years. Oh yeah. that's nice, beautiful place. Yeah, and he uh, just moved. But that's he and his wife late wife had a, a home on a lake there. Right. right. So it's in the it's in the Westchester type area kind of it's place. It's an hour outside of New York, right off the Hudson. Right. So Westchester type area. But anyway, he lives there, a uh, small town kind of place. And he um is a grumpy old guy. And you quickly figure out his son comes to visit him, uh, that he's has memory problems, right? And that his uh his uh he's definitely doesn't appreciate anyone interfering with his life <laughs> and he has memory problems. Uh, and his son checks in on him and deals with him, but clearly doesn't really want to deal with him. Yeah. So he buys him a, um, he buys him a, uh, uh, a robot, 
which is the prop for the robot is literally made out of a child wearing a cardboard suit. I mean, it is like, it is cheap. It is super cheap. Right, right, true. But, but it's totally works. It's totally works for the story. Totally works for the story, uh, and 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 it's good. And basically, the idea is okay. This robot's going to take care of you, and uh, and manage your health for you, like a nurse, basically, while you're gone. Right. And the robot is very good. And he obviously, you can imagine that the old man doesn't want to deal with him, right? What you then kind of find out is he also has a passion for going to the library uh, and meeting this woman at the library, the librarian. He kind of likes the librarian, right? Who's played by Susan Sarandon, which is also a brilliant thing. And then they also find out that him and his wife are separated. That's another thing you find out as well. Um, And the, I forgot how it gets to this point, but at one point, he, you figured out that he had a, uh, a checkered past of being a criminal and being in jail quite a bit. That's the old man, right? And the thing that he used to do in jail was to basically, he was a cat burglar and a thief, right? To steal things. And uh, so it's very heisty. That's why I thought you'd like it, Eric, because it's got I a did. little bit of a heist of it, right? And the robot keeps trying to get him to do exercises to exercise his mind and his vitality. And he wants him to make a garden or do this or that. And of course he doesn't want anything to do with a garden, but then the robot discovers like, well, if he really likes, you know, planning heists, let's help him plan a heist (laughs) as part of an exercise. Not actually do the heist, but let's just plan the heist. So the robot goes through and helps him plan a heist to Steal uh, 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 rare books from the library, <laughs> which is kind of a strange thing. Uh, anyway, so he does that, and then uh, you also find his his uh, his uh, daughter comes to visit, who's played by Liv Tyler, and okay. she's super anti robot. She's super nature girl, right? And so right. it's like you don't need a robot to take care of you. I'll I'll take care of you. And then no, but at this point, Frank gets a little too attached to the robot because they're planning a heist together and they're kind of like doing their, their thievery together. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 leave, leave, let him be, let him be. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and so that's kind of happens. Uh, and, and so they go to plan to, to, there's a real, you know, let's just call him a Silicon Valley type character who lives next door. And they decide they're going to rob his From succession. Who's a yes. Actor. Yes. Jeremy Strong. In fact, they just have to hop in to say, like, the cast in this movie was bizarrely packed. Like, it's not all like yeah. top. Like, it isn't all top tier A. Like, a no. expensive level actors, but it's like Susan Sarandon, Liv Tyler, James Marsden, Peter Sarsgaard, Jeremy Strong. You're just like every new person that gets introduced. You're like, what the hell are you doing here? What the yeah. hell are you doing? Here? I, I have the feeling that the guy, the director and writer. They all like worked in the same theater group together in New York. Yeah, and, like, totally. The money they made. There's something totally. like we're all friends, and yeah, they're, they're, this is this is definitely made by buddies film for sure. And I think that like the yeah, it's like the like uh, Catherine Watterson is in it. She shows up for like a bit part. I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is absolutely it was like two million dollar movie, and it's got a like, twenty five million dollar cast. Anyway, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just want to throw that out there for fucks. Yeah, it's it's really really. Good. So they basically try to plan a much more substantial hike to get some some diamonds. Heist. A heist, sorry, uh, to get some diamonds, uh, which they succeed in doing. Um, but then, of course, they're going to get busted by the cops, right? 
Uh, but the robot is trying to help him in many ways. Um, and it's kind of working, kind of not working, but uh, the, what, how's it, how's it, basically he tries to go to the librarian and try to, tries to uh, apologize to her about something. And then when he walks around in her office, he looks around and realizes all the pictures on the wall are of his kids yeah. And then there's a picture of him with her. And he realizes that as young people. Yeah. He realizes that or something. he was, that's the librarian was actually his wife. He just doesn't right. remember it. Yeah, then, uh, which yes, is just one of the most amazing scenes. Yeah. Such a good scene. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's quite quite good and then uh they basically try he tries she tries to to get away with it and the, the only thing he really has to do the only evidence they have of him actually pulling off the heist is um is the uh, uh the memory inside the robot so he effectively has to kill the memory of the robot to save him uh, but what's also really interesting is the robot keeps telling him it's like i am not a real person <laughs> right right i'm a program I'm a program. I just sound this way to make it easier on you, but right. I'm not a real person. So you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm a highly advanced, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. response machine, basically, is what he's saying. Yeah. So don't worry about erasing my memory. Right. And it was kind of. But, an but, but because it's like, you know, erasing the robot's memory is directly connected to his growing Alzheimer's, obviously. Right. That is erasing a his own memory. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I'm now I'm going to be the, the mild voice of dissent on this movie. I didn't like this movie as much as you guys. I really like what this movie is trying to the do. The message. They're like, yeah. it's like what they're trying to do is absolutely terrific. And I really, I recommend the movie based on that. And I love the cast. Um, and so it's uh, like, I think I probably went into it with a little bit. I think I, I shouldn't have watched Moon and then that. I think I should have watched it in reverse. Mm -hmm. um, because like, I think that for Which me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because like, I, I think that this, it would have been, I, this would have been a nice surprise if I had seen this out of the blue. Um, but I think my expectations were in a, a different ballpark when I went into it. Uh, and uh, I like, I like they're making a, they're making a very good movie, but I was bothered by the great movie that they're almost making that, that's hovering hmm. right outside the frame for me. And I think that this might be because like I am my own personal experience. Like my father basically died of Alzheimer's. And so like, I, I was a little like, I know and I'm like loving Frank Langella. There's a kind of movie I wanted out of that, that the movie doesn't really explore. And it sort of takes the simplest sort of most um, straightforward story about memory loss that it can, instead of going, this there's something really there's a lot there's a there's a some deeper bites that can take out of this that are a little bit more challenging that I felt like they were avoiding so they could keep the tone light, but the tone is also a weird balance between like very very artful and serious when they're trying to actually make a sort of a light buddy comedy movie uh, with him and the robot, and so it yeah. never really it never really sort of sat with me in the right space and i kept on going oh i would like to see this or i'd like to see this moment and then you have uh actors like uh from uh jeremy strong the way he jeremy, reacted to the heist yeah was, it's just I like what you're saying it was a little it was bit like, of uh, murder she wrote 
Yeah, like why? Why are they taking? Why are they directing this great, legitimately great actor to be basically like he's uh, a second banana in Beverly Hills Cop? Like I was just yeah. like, what, what's happening there? Um, so yeah, I was like, I was a little, I was a little just, dis- I, w- I wouldn't say disappointed. That's a little bit strong, but I was like, there's a kind of movie that is closer. Like I, I would like to see this movie through uh, the lens of something like her, Spike Jones's her, um, which is this incredibly. Uh, gentle but very upsetting experience uh, that they they come close to getting a hold of in this movie in a couple of places. I totally agree with the Susan Sarandon. Realizing Susan Sarandon is the wife is the golden moment of this movie. That was the golden like, moment. I think that, that it was 100% that, like, that's the moment where, like, I'm sure the actor is totally signed on board and, like, it's the moment in the movie where I was like, ah, okay, now now I'm there. Now I'm, right. now I'm where I want to be. And if you missed that moment, you missed the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly so. And so, like, I, I think of that. I, let, I, I should probably see it again. I didn't quite latch onto it as firmly as I would have liked. I certainly love uh, what the movie is saying and what it's trying to do. And the idea of a fucking robot heist movie. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, how am I not? He can't really do and, it himself. And Jason, Jason uh, quotes that uh, Rachel Ma was actually a robot, not a child. But Rachel Ma is actually four foot eleven, so she yeah, is, she's got to be a pretty small person. She's a very small person. Like uh, to fit, like that was the thing is like that that outfit was extremely convincing because I was like, I know that's a person in there, but how is a person fitting inside that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yeah. It's like it barely made any sense, but right. it is very good. Like it's a it's a good performance for it, and they uh, and they make use for it very very well. But like I think that the uh, like uh, what's his name Skarsgård does the voice, and yes. um, and I think that like there's opportunities there. Like the idea, I really liked that they brought up um, that he was not awake. Like he's saying, like basically, I'm not awake. So you know, you can turn me off. It's like I'm not scared of being turned off. I'm not. I'm also, not I'm not scared of death. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not scared of death. Exactly. <laughs> right. And like that's the stuff I'm like you could make an entire movie out of just this concept, you know? And like, there's a, there's a weird, um, there's a, it's like in like, sorry to harp on this one, but like in her, have people here seen her? I don't want to give anything away. Yes. I've got to see that. Did you like it? It's one of the great science fiction films and it doesn't, it's so. Spike Jones? Yes. And it's so gentle that you, you like, you sort of finish and going, was that, was that great? I don't know. Like it feels, it feels like it, it's like a dream you had. But when I re- went back and rewatched it, I was like, "This is one of the smartest, most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's unbelievably good." Um, and the and the the turn in her, as far as the depth of Scarlett Johansson's AI, is extraordinary. And it's uh, and it's not just sort of uh, a technological statement, but it's also a perfect representation of what it's like to realize something different is going on than what you thought was actually happening. Like someone in, someone in a relationship feels radically different than you do. And, uh, and the emotional turnaround in that is frightening. Right. And, uh, and that's the thing that I missed in robot and Frank It's like, what are they doing with the robot? I get what they're doing with Langella but the robot is basically there as a mirror, and I was wondering what else they could do with the robot. That's all I got to say about it. I'm in the harp on. Yeah, they kept this story very simple. Yes, they didn't want to make it too complicated. 
and they had you know like i said that moment of the reveal that his wife is there that's that's what oh, it's great that's, that's cool. what it that's what it's all about and yeah, that's sure. it so they they were very you know efficient with the story as well mm -hmm. just let's keep the performances good and then we'll meet this you know and then I think that's if they went too deep into too many things in a story, I think it would have it might muddied, have broken. Yeah, it might have it might muddied have it. A yeah, I hear bit. that. I hear that. Yeah, I think that like because they, they do what they do really well is they create this very uh, believable and family. very uh, yeah, like the family works really well. I think the uh, and his mental the, state. The yeah, like Langella tracks that. Yeah. Langella tracks that brilliantly. It's all that's all great, and I think that the uh, especially with. Um, his son and um, uh, and with uh, um, uh, and his ex-wife uh, are really nicely drawn relationships. Like you could feel that like the actors themselves like knew where to go with this thing, and it worked incredibly well. And uh, and gen then on top of that, like it's a great example of like low, like just what I was saying with Moon. Like they low knew the budget. limits of low budget world building. Man, it's like it's a delicate thing to do right. And what like the the robot's really nicely done but they do a lot with the the setting outside of the robot to sort of gently make you feel like this is a different place uh without getting really intrusive about it and i think that that's uh that's that takes a real sense of taste because most movies like do big establishing shots of just okay. like look at how futuristic everything is and it's just fucking it makes it look fake you right. know and because, like, when you're like when you're in your present everyday life, you aren't thinking about how fucking fantastic everything is. Like, everything is normal, and you want the setting to feel like it's a lived-in, real place that people are taking for granted. And that's what works in Alien. That's what works in Blade Runner, even. And uh, and and like the first Star Wars does that incredibly well. And they do that pretty well in this, where they're just like, we don't have a lot of money, so let's like put the chips in the right, you know, in the on the right square. And really, really try and sell this thing. So I, I, I like that. And the photography was very nice. Lots of great photography in that picture. Yeah. Beautiful. No. It was good stuff. I have to say, I liked both of them. It was very, I thought Rockwell was great. I, I loved the effects too in Moon. Yeah, it's great. That's they were just. And even though some of it was like, you, know, you give a VFX EI, it was a little flat or the, the sure. black levels and the lens flare, but it's like, man. It I wa well, I watched the. I watched the there was a 4K HDR version of it that I rented. <laughs> well, I think they remastered it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. So the black levels were much better. 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 Right. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit more eye in the ball with that stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I was watching the, the other night. I had on um, Doctor No and uh, First James Bond movie, and like, there's some like really awesome, very very badly comped matte paintings in there, and mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like I just Vincent love it. Navarone still works too. It's yeah, cool. it's just great. I mean, like they're like these matte paintings are painty. They look like paintings, but they, they there's something like really romantic about it. Like it's like it's storybooky in a way that I really enjoy. You know, these big ballroom shots and shit like that. I'm just like, go for it, dude. This is fantastic. Why not? It doesn't have to fucking look photo real. And yeah. uh, I think that like that going back that, to the Harryhausen thing. You know, right? right. Why do that? Yeah, for people that weren't there for it, we uh, Eric and I talked a lot about. Uh, there is a clip online where you can see someone has taken an AI to comb through Ray Harryhausen's uh, footage for uh, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, I think, and uh, right. uh, where uh, or Jason the Argonauts, where he's fighting the skeletons, and uh, and they upped it from 
the low frame rate that he was animating at, and they bumped it up to a uh, 60 frames a second. And uh, it's it's amazing that it that they that it works. That's it pretty does, shocking. Doesn't really add anything though. Doesn't add anything. <laughs> like it's a great bit of tech, but artistically, you're like, so is that better? Here's my question, better. though. Here's my question because I've seen the same thing where they've taken low and uh, like 1912 or 1918 film of people on New York. And oh, they've done the same thing. Fantastic. But that's a com- but but just, they also do the, the motion on it. Yeah. Sixty frames a second, eighteen hundreds or nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, sixteen yeah. frames a second, four K, and it looks yeah. crazy good. Yeah, stunning. The point being, why does that look crazy good and looks like a huge value while the Jason and Argonauts does not? Well, because Jason and Argon- Eric and I were saying earlier, it's like that there's an artistic value to the choppy way that it originally looked. Like I'm not looking for it to look real. I'm looking for it to look cool, you know. Right. And and uh, and so like the fact that it looks handmade is part of the charm of watching the film. Like I, I didn't, they didn't consider it a flaw that I can see the steps. I thought no, I, they brought him in and said, yeah. "You are the master. You are creating this world for us of these people and right. belief." And so that's it. Right. And so it's, it's I feel the same way about two D animation which like for a long time in America, they were struggling to keep it at 24 frames when most animes are at like six, you know, and uh, there's a, for certain kinds of movies, having a lower frame rate actually looks better. Like it helps me buy into the dreaminess of the, like you see Miyazaki's movies and stuff like that. I don't want those to be like 60 frames a second. Like that. Well, there's a different, there's a different, there's a big difference. So, so when you look at the Hanna-Barbera stuff, that was at like six frames a second and, terrible right and right. that was done because it was oh this is shitty yeah they're, they're trying it was to cheap, cheap but hold on huh? cheap is not cheap is not necessarily bad right so and they did it cheap but they did it like they were doing a 24 frame of a second film mm. and then just just cut all the you know you know only show every quarter of a, of a frame of that right right what the anime does is like how can i get the most out of six frames a second yeah, they exactly. actually think about what it means, right? right? So they think about efficiency, and they add it as a style. And yeah, so that's exactly. what that's why anime is. That's what Harios. How that's the exactly right. what it, yes, exactly. So like we, I was talking about it with 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 my uh, my daughter, and it's like you know how do they avoid animating people in Japan talking in anime because you know lip syncing is expensive to animate. Right. So there's so much where they shoot someone giving their backstory and they shoot them from behind. Oh, yeah. Or someone draws <laughs> yeah. a sword that goes right across their mouth like, I'll kill you this time. And I promise that you're just like, yeah. you're saving some money there, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks cool. Yeah, it when looks someone cool. gives you their backstory and shame, but you see them from behind, right. that works as part of the story. It's part of the flavor. They've, they've, they've artistically found a way around the limitation, right? Which is what we're talking about with both Moon and Robot and Frank. You know, it's like, they. I don't want this to be more... Uh, more. I don't want more money involved. I don't need more money involved in this movie. That would probably fuck it up. You know, right? Like, we don't need to bump this up to sixty frames a second with you know a two hundred fifty million dollar pipeline of VFX. Of course, I just said it, I watched it at four K in HDR, which is yeah. Well, it's nice to see a clear print. I mean, that's <laughs> that's one thing. That's the way it's supposed to look. You know, like that's the way that they would have wanted to see it on the big screen, right? Um, but like at the same, it's just like Jason brings up. 
you know, the Lego movie was given a stop motion look. It obviously could have rendered that at any frame rate that they wanted to. Right. Um, but it looks good in as it is, yeah. Exactly. Like you don't you don't want to change that. Well, they and, did that because they want to make it feel like it's played toys. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. You know, that's an artistic choice 100 percent with right. those guys. Like if you if, because you if you watch like any a, of the Lego TV shows, they don't do that. Oh yeah, like Ninjago and shit yeah. like that. Like that's all like 30 frames a second automatically. And like it makes it less engaging to me. Like it makes it yeah. sort of just like it, it lacks the style of the Lego movie. And I think that it's funny how all this these conversations like just click together. It's kind of interesting because like when you brought up uh, Star Wars, uh, solo, a Star Wars movie, right? Right. Um, like the Lego movie guys were the guys who started making that movie. They made right. almost an entire movie before they got fired and their movie got scrapped. Right. You know? Crazy. And I'm just like, this is the perfect example Panic. of what we're talking to. It's like Kathleen Kennedy, Panic. you know, I'm assuming went in and said, like, saw the footage and she's like, why is everything animated on sixes? Let's read there is this up to 60 frames a second and get Ron Howard in here. And I'm just like, the fuck are he's you a, doing he's a dear friend of mine we belong our kids play at the same tennis club let's get him in let's get him in and the thing is no diss to ron howard who has made a lot of really good movies that i like but like when you're yeah like when, when you like i love like like splash is great uh i'm a fan i'm a fan of cinderella man i'm a fan there's loads of good ron howard movies yeah, but the guy is a studio assassin oh, like that's yeah. what he does you know, right. he comes up like you need a studio movie done well. You go to Ron Howard. That guy's going to deliver the goods. You know, and so, but if you're making like uh, something with flavor, you give it to someone like the Lego guys, Lord Miller's, yeah. Lord Miller. You know, and that's how you end up with things like Spider Verse, which they produced. Spider Verse, yeah. You know, which is a fucking artistic knockout. Not to mention a great script film. and a really great and one of the best superhero movies ever made. You know, like that's how you get. And so when you look at Solo, like Solo is. Um, you wa- I've watched it a couple of times. They're like, it's a perfectly good movie. It's not bad. It's entertaining. Parts of it are great. But it is a boring studio picture compared to, I'm sure, what they were trying to make. And so, like, with Moon and Robot and Frank, like, the only way to make these movies the way that they are and the, and the values that they that they get to is by being cheap. Like, like they're in the position of... Well, they put the limitations on yourself. If you have those exactly. limitations as a filmmaker... As an artist, you say, this is what I have to work with. Then right. that kind of forces you to be creative. And that's the yeah. Gareth Edwards from his first movie, even yeah. if you've all his After now. Effects tutorials yep. where he was doing stuff for the BBC on, mm-hmm. um, you know, medieval fights or whatever stuff. It, it was like he had a limitation and here's how I made a crowd out of just this. And it was yeah. amazing. My, my job is to make this look, look fucking great. And so I'm going to do that somehow with After Effects. You know, oh, and, yeah. and he does the same thing story-wise. He's such a caring teacher that you love him as a filmmaker. Right. He's just like totally into it and like, this is cool and this is right. how we can do it. And it's amazing. It's almost like being a teacher helps yeah. in the beginning. Because... Yeah, put him in the right mindset. Put him in the right mindset. Yeah, because yeah. I think like with Duncan Jones, like I think he's an extraordinarily talented director, um, but he got eaten up by, the, he took the he took the money deal you know, by taking World of Warcraft. And I'm sure he went into that imagining that he can make a, he's like, I'll find some way to make this into a good movie. But when there's that much fucking money, like no one is, everyone's invested in not letting you make this movie that you think you, like you may, you may have a great idea to make a movie, but that doesn't help sell the dolls. 
that doesn't help sell the video video game. And the dolls are the most important thing. Let's just not forget about merchandise. That That's right. Oh, you know who we I, have. Look, I, we have just these little creatures with the hands. I yes, then we have to sell products. That's right. That's what it's okay, for. You have your Big to do. As long as we can sell dolls, I'm happy. That's it. That's it. That was Lucas's genius, right? Like the reason why he made Return of the Jedi yeah. into the unbelievable garbage fire that it is, is because it's a terrific ad for the dolls that he got rights to. So I did a, a I did a, I did a podcast uh, yesterday. Uh, I recorded one uh, for uh, CG Garage, and it'll come out I don't know weeks from now because we have a big backlog. But anyway, his the guy's name is Patrick Osborne, and he's uh, uh, a director and animation guy uh but he started getting into this stuff because his dad was a toy designer for kenner toys right uh that's amazing and so he designed a lot of the star wars things and this and that was going on and so apparently his dad did not necessarily wasn't really into it that much he says they said, what do you make? He's like, I make landfill. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but, but apparently he, like, you know, he got into it a little bit more later, but apparently, yeah, he, he, he was kind of like into all of that, that stuff. It was interesting to hear that That's spectacular. The, the toy aspect of it, but that kind of inspired his son to sort of get into animation, which is an interesting thing as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly like men, like the, you know, I was a star Wars the action figure kid myself, obviously, you know, and I would do it like, you know, I'd tie a thread around Luke Skywalker's neck and dangle him out the back of the car and light him on fire and throw him through the air with a slingshot. And I loved all that shit. It was great. And I'd make my own little movies with these guys. Yep. Um, and so they are inspiring all by themselves as functional things to uh, provoke your imagination. But when you're making a movie so you can sell that product, you're probably not making a very good movie. <laughs> like you might be making a great ad, but you're not making a very good movie. Well, to me, it came down to like, the you know uh 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 what's transformers movies like that right. to me it was like wait hold on a second what is this they made a toy <laughs> of a truck that transforms into a robot that makes sense as a toy that's right. a cool toy does that and then somehow they decide they're going to make a tv show about this toy right and they have to invent all this weird shit like why this happens yeah dude i uh... And then, and then they decided, no, now we're going to make a $200 million film that's going to try to make this more like legit. And yeah. Like, Have you seen all the Transformers? It's a movies? toy. It's a toy. <laughs> it's a toy. Well, the thing is, like, I've, uh, I've actually I've worked on one of the Transformers movies. I, uh, I, work, I worked for a company early in my career, which will remain nameless, that made toys that were involved with a cartoon. And, uh, and, they, when I went to go do writing for them for the, to write up pitch stuff for their cartoon, like they, the first thing they did was they said, here's the schedule of our toy release. And ah. here, here are all the toys that have already been designed, right? And they're already being made. And here's this one. And here's this one. And here's this one. So make up a story that reveals these toys in the order in which they are being produced. And that's the only thing. There's like this is just an advert. This is just advertising. It doesn't make any. We're not, we're not fucking making right. art here. Like this is an advertising machine. Yeah. And uh, and so when you get to when like we take the Transformers movies and you go all the way up to the Michael like Michael Bay being in the Transformers, you know, like spending most of his career making Transformers movies, like they started to become advertisements for themselves. 
Like it yes. was the most, it's it's absolutely bizarre. Like there was just like like Transformers don't start with a strong backstory. And like they develop into basically this weird Ouroboros that just destroys itself. Because like you're going to see it for the giant robot fights simultaneously by being bored by the fights. <laughs> you're like, wait, why am I here? What is going on? It's exactly you know? the point. It's like why why why, just, am I bought, why did I buy the ticket? <laughs> like, why, and, it, and it's like, no, I want to go. It's basically, you know, when you when you take your Transformers toys and you sit at them in a sandbox and you're like, bah, 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 yeah, smash, smash, smash. Let's yeah, do right. that exact same thing that I just did in the sandbox for $200 million. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And people will watch that. It's like, why just go in a sandbox and play with your freaking toys? If you yeah, the thing that. is that, like, I don't even <laughs> think there's something, like, I think, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I talk to studio people or about studio people, there's, like, there's a strong feeling that you get projected from the most studio people that are just, like, audiences are dumb, and so that's why we make this expensive garbage, right? And the thing is, like, my my feeling about this is that, Hey man, I love seeing giant robots fight. Like I'm totally down with seeing giant robots fight. I'll pay a movie ticket price to go see giant robots fight. And you're supposed to give me giant robots fighting. I also would love it to be a good movie, but that's not quite as important as why I am there, which is to see giant robots fight. I am constantly surprised by people because people who I think are intelligent, they're like, I love Kong versus Godzilla. It's like, did you? Did you see the same movie? Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad movie. That's a bad movie. And the it's thing is, really man, bad. And it's directed movie. by a, a director I like. You know, that guy did. Um, uh, oh god, what, what he did? Uh, uh, I, totally I know what you're talking about. But he, but he's a really he's a very very yeah, good he's director. A, he's got real style. Yes, I was shocked to see he did yeah. that because I went and to see that. And, and I'll give him credit. Like like once it finally got to the fighting, I can see like sure he like he thought this would be fun and it looks really pretty. Like, no, okay, I get it. I get it why he, like, him short for the money. And also because, like, he does leave his visual mark on the movie anyway. It looks, the fight looks really fun and cool. But the 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 shitty movie that I have to watch to get to that fight is intolerable. Like, I was just like, Jesus Christ, it's two hours of pointless talking before we get to a 45-minute fight. Just put out the 45-minute fight. Like you're putting it on HBO anyway. Just let uh, me watch the just, fight. It's just well, first of all, the, the, they they tried to cram a whole bunch of story into it that didn't make any sense. Yeah, none of it. None of that serves anything. None of it. No. And then and then uh, here's another like remark. My kids were looking at it. And they're like, "That's not how buildings collapse. They don't just no. crumble like that. There's nothing yeah. inside the building. Clearly, there's nothing inside the building. Yeah, because." Well, yeah. They're killing a ton of people if there were people inside those buildings. (laughs) Millions of people would be dead. Right. Well, the the, the thing about that movie is that, like, there are plenty of movies that have no story that are good movies. Like, you don't have to have, like, a classic, detailed, rich story with lots of characters in order to have a good movie. You you can have a, a great film that is extremely simple and is simply about beautifully rendered action. Like that's right. absolutely legitimate. And the problem with this movie isn't that it's a big monster club fest. I want it to be a big monster club fest. The problem is, is that they also think that somehow we need to see all these, you know, a lot of good actors waste their time cashing paychecks, talking about shit that has nothing to do with the movie that goes nowhere and is boring. Like, I don't care about any of these characters. Nothing they do has any impact on the plot whatsoever. So why not just take them out? 
Like, just give me the beautiful visual 45 minute fight. And then I'll be like, that was beautiful. I didn't care about anybody, but it was beautiful. You know? Well, someone and, and, did an edit uh, on, on YouTube, which I'm sure you guys seen where they replaced, I think Godzilla or Kong. They, no, it was Kong. They replaced Kong with a cat. Yeah, I was way more emotionally involved with that. Video. That was really hilarious. <laughs> and the whole thing was 30 seconds. And yeah. It was better movie than the other movie. Right. Like that's like, for instance, like you guys have seen the movie Ronin, right? The car chase movie with Robert De Niro. Yeah, I love like, that movie. Fucking movie rocks. The movie is incredible every time I watch it. It barely makes any sense. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't. Ha- like it, it doesn't have to make any sense. It's giving me what I wanted to see, which is shitloads of great car chases with just enough plot and all these cool characters to make the car chases work. And that's what I want. And it's giving I have me. this theory. I think if you want to if you have a movie that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. all here's the ticket. All you do in the last two minutes of the movie, they are all in a cafe mm-hmm. on a rainy streets with Paris. And one of them leaves, and the guy looks out the window, sips his coffee, and you just pull out. And, and that's it. Life in Paris goes on, and it's saved your life. <laughs> that's it. Well, you, you don't can do that for the Godzilla yourself. movie. You can do that in anything. It's like, oh, there's You're the right. cap I wanted. Didn't they do that? Didn't they do that in? Didn't they do that in the 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 the? the didn't they do that in the Born Identity? They did that. We in, do it. Yeah. Oh, so it's any great. movie, You're we right. could do the robot and Godzilla. Have the scientists there get out yeah. and puts a jacket over his yeah. shoulder. And they did it in Batman. They did it in Batman too at the Whoa. end, right? Yeah, get under his arm. They did it. They did the same thing. They did the same. Oh my God! Uh, Inception. All you, all you have to do, all you have to do is like take any take a Transformers movie, and then just at the end, you start playing some Edith Piaf. Has to be La Vieille Rose. Has to be La Vieille Rose, and then it says Fiend right at the end. Oscar Goldman. That right? is the, that is Here's the other I'm, thing. I'm How to end any movie that doesn't make sense? Transformers. I thought it would be really way. great <laughs> to so take movies. And you talked about it. Was it Jason the Argonauts where they had that little kid who was uh-huh. in the genie in the bottle? Which one was it? Oh, yeah. Is that Seven Voyage of Sinbad? I'm not sure. Seven I, I watched them all. Take that genie time, kid and just yeah. put him in at various points in the movie. It's like, I command you. It's like, yeah, and then right. cuts in. Everyone looks and reacts like, oh, my God. We have we have a new direction in the storyline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> French Cafe. Done. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's it. Just end it all in French cafes, And you're like, oh. I didn't know what was going on, but it was so that was romantic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was kind of cool. really left me with a good. Like they were fighting feeling. and like Godzilla, <laughs> and then it was like at the cafe, and it was so sweet. I, I, would, I would kill to see I that kind of Godzilla. That's a brilliant. We should idea. go to Paris in the spring. Uh, in the spring, oh, <laughs> building collapses. The end. Finn. That's it. I Finn. think that's the way. That Finn. That's the it way. It would to go. work. I'm telling you, man. I'm in. But yeah, like that's the that's the like Godzilla. Like I watch the thing dutifully. Like what's the line? Like it's like like I watch Godzilla like anyone waiting in line for bread in you know eighties Russia. <laughs> You're just like I guess there's the next fucking thing. There's the next shitty studio movie that's going to be delivered via HBO that barely keeps me hanging on to my subscription. Yeah, like, now, I got like, you were talking on. about her earlier, but I have a friend. He is in the film business in New York. And he apt, he's a huge Star Wars guy. You totally get along with him, Dan. Mm. He absolutely goes on rants about Kathleen Kennedy. 
I, do, I have never met Kathleen. I don't know anything. About, I, I, I'm like, I have okay, and I end Kathleen up listening Kennedy. to it. I, I end up listening. I'm like, okay. Right. I know. I don't it just have, feels like she destroyed the, the I don't world think, that he loves. Dearly. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that she. I think that she's a great producer and she's pulled together some amazing. Yes. Movies. You know, she's she's really. And I know nothing about her personally, so I can't say anything like that. She, I, uh, I heard her on Nerdist, and she's quite 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 interesting. Yeah, I bet. I bet she. Yeah, okay. I think she's a pro, she's an absolute professional, and she knows exactly what she's trying to do with this stuff. And I do like, know that what happened on Star Wars is a complete disaster, and I mm -hmm. do know that she's responsible for Star Wars. Yes, like, so I think that she, those are the things I can put together. Right. I think. Like I. I don't think. I think she took a very specific kind of business risk with Star Wars, and then she has spent a lot of time trying to basically backpedal from that decision because it. It harmed the brand, and so now she's trying oh. to find she's she's tried to find a way to like because I where I really sympathize with her is you know like you know like I don't need to make an argument that she's a great producer she's a great producer obviously she's very successful, um, but like Star Wars is a big very difficult ship to pilot right because it's been around for so long and it's fractured into so many different fan subcultures that each one of them wants something completely different from that license than anyone else yeah and you have to deliver they, to all of them you have to deliver yeah. to all of them otherwise all the rest of them are pissed off and like trying to find a way to do that has been virtually impossible and the last three movies they made are a testament to that like it's completely internecine fighting bullshit fan-based disaster right but they have guided it into the Mandalorian, which now, you know, people can like it or not like it, but that has been a very unifying force for Star Wars fans. Ugh. And like they have, they have, uh, they have, good. <laughs> I like, I like the show. I think it's, I think it's a good old fashioned, like no, 1950s it, Western show. It's a good show. It's, but it's, 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 sure, it's not but that I like special. Yes. Okay. I understand. But the E team is not that special. I'm not, I'm and not I saying it's special. I, I'm saying it's wait, good. Wait, 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 right. wait, why am I watching? Listen, I'll watch the E team. I like sure. the A team, right. but if I'm watching something new and exciting, there are so it many more <laughs> things available Agreed. to me that are not the A team. I, right? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's an interesting solution to have made something because, like, I do think you're basically saying, "Oh, look, it's super passable." Awesome, yeah, we've succeeded. It, yes, I am. <laughs> not not with the negative spin you're putting on it, where I'm just like, "This is a this is a very good, entertaining." highly produced beautiful looking show that everybody can be on board with being good like good no it's and passable no no it's beyond i think it's beyond passable there's clearly there's a big fandom that for the entire thing and it has a fandom that uh, of people that were formerly against each other over the movies and this is what I think is interesting. It's like it's a really clever way to have healed this rift. Right. And it's by going and so back what to they did very, maybe very... maybe specifically that's the only way you can do that is to yes. dumb it down so far. Yeah. yeah like to, no, to simplify it to, to, the, to simplify it so right. much. Right. That and basically just none of the fan theories really matter anymore in here. Right. Exactly. And so like the the issue that you have with Okay, so like I guess this is the way I feel like like the way that I feel about Robot and Frank, for instance, which is a good movie, but I want—I know that there's a great movie out there someplace sure. that is this movie. I know, it, and, is, I, and I completely, I completely uh, uh, hear that argument. I'm not necessarily saying. Right. I'm looking and, at, and, and I'm not saying it's bad. It's definitely worth watching. I think people should see that. Movie I'm looking sure. at the limitations that they had, which is a very, right. very low budget. Right. Right. Mandalorian does not have a budgetary constraint. No. So like, <laughs> you know, no, uh, they've got some dollars behind it. Yeah, like I believe every episode of that 
uh, show in the second season probably cost like the uh, no, the yearly uh, you know product of Brazil is equivalent right. to the mile, like one single episode of Mandalorian. Um, you could but it probably is, make a hundred uh, a robot in France. What is the budget? Five for, 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 easily. What's the easily. Five million the budget? Oh, yeah. the budget five of million? yeah, oh, more, Mandalorian. Yeah, but it's like ten yeah. or fifteen. It's in, it's an insanely Whoa. expensive show. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful show, and it is a fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million. I'm not quoting that. I'm, I'm pretty. I would be. I would not be surprised if it was that. Fifteen million. Oh, and think of this: the first season. Oh, uh, of, uh, the first season yeah. of Lord of the Rings on Amazon is four hundred sixty-five yes, million dollars. Yeah, I know. I read that. How crazy is that? That's crazy indeed. And the thing is, like, that is almost the movie, uh, almost the movie rate of Burn, right? Because like, the, the movie's got uh, like twelve hours out of that, so it's like basically a season. And there are each, you know, like what a quarter of a billion dollars or something like that. So it's pretty much in the same ballpark of production value. Like they're spending as much as they did on the, on the films, which is pretty shocking. This is the first season. Yeah. It's pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. They bet Like, I can't imagine, like if you look at the way that Apple's been running um, their, um, or Amazon's rather been running their game division, like it's a disaster. So I'm really interested to see what they do. Yeah. Like it's been like all over the place. Like they had like, they've built whole video games and then just thrown them out. Like, like they don't, they're, they're because the point of that because they don't really have I mean I don't know but like, money seems, to burn but they don't have a good they don't know how to put yes. it all together <laughs> they, they don't they don't have a focus they just know they want to get involved in games and they have shitloads of money to throw at it and so when yeah. I hear half a billion, half same a billion thing with go, Apple <laughs> right exactly and they're just like just use the money hose see what happens yeah and I'm just like that's buy a, more Apple products right. And I think that like and it's it's a version of the Transformers thing, where you're just like, exactly what are we buying? <laughs> like, what is being what? Why are you spending this money? And what are we buying because of it? Like, it's this right. weird self-eating loop. And uh, so, like, I think that you know, all these big companies and like and Disney, like Disney, got its bacon saved by The Mandalorian. You know, like The Mandalorian's a super hit. It saved Star Wars like almost single-handedly. Uh, and now they're, they have two other decent shows with uh, Falcon and Wonder Soldier and WandaVision, which yeah. have helped stabilize that, you know, these, the these brand, the brands, you know, but outside of that, they don't have very much. And it really underscored, you know, just like, what does Disney actually own outside of the, of Marvel and Star Wars that's of any value? Yeah. They have a lot of debt. <laughs> they have a lot of debt. They, they're, they're, they, 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 they own world building. Is what they do, yes. yeah, right? exactly. And that's exactly. that's a that's that's a good skill to have. I'm not necessarily def- like because I'm not a whole as a big fan of those worlds, but they know how to do that. You are there. You're invested in. You're like, oh yeah, oh I'm, this is this. Oh this is related to this. Oh did right. you see that? Oh that's the person from this comic book. Whatever. If you're a fan of that stuff, right. you're you're being served. You're, in. you're, you're served, in. right? You're not necessarily getting new things or anything else, right? That's but, not the business they're in. Nope. nope. No. That's like going to McDonald's and asking for, do you have anything other than hamburgers? No, right. we do not. Right. <laughs> we do not do that. That's a different store. Yeah. And I think that that's why when it comes to like the Abel Ferrara question, like when big time directors, Duncan Jones, for instance, or recently Chloe Zhao, who's up for an Oscar for Nomadland, like Chloe Zhao's, that. oh, it's great. Incredible film. And Chloe Zhao's next big production is a Marvel uh, superhero film. But she and, wrote it though. 
but she, I believe she wrote it and she was the one who actually went to them to pitch it. So That's like, great. this is the sort of like, uh, this is the moment to see whether or not Disney has learned from other less, similar. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because they, they've, they have so much problems trying to like uh, bridle the star Wars license. Like how do we keep this fan base from re- wrecking everything yet deliver something that will re- reinvigorate uh, the license and so they get Chloe Zhao on board and hopefully, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of push behind Nomadland to win this weekend. And, uh, and hopefully people will accept the kind of movie that she wants to make out of, I think it's Eternals. Um, but it is a big, big gamble to put someone that is basically makes very small scale experimental emotional dramas in charge of a franchise picture. And uh, I fear that she goes the Duncan Jones route and stuck with a world of Warcraft on her hands because she wants to make something. And the Disney execs are like, yeah, but how about more fan service? <laughs> you know? And like, yeah. that's the, that's the great fear. Cause they don't want to like an artist like that to waste too much for time. They, you know, well, they're making, like you said, they're making, they're making toys. Yep. And they're right. making theme parks. That's the thing that's interesting is that this pandemic really hurt that. Oh yeah. Right. Disaster. Disney like, yeah, like, like seventy percent of their business, wasn't it? Just all yeah, blasted. That, yeah. yeah. Cruise ships and hotels and theme parks. Yeah. Nothing. Movie theaters. Yeah. Like that's uh So like yeah. the weight that's put on something like Mandalorian is is epic. You're yeah, you're yeah. basically the point of the spear to save the entire company because the only thing we're making money on is Disney Plus, and the only thing on Disney Plus that people watch is fucking Star Wars. Right, like that's it. <laughs> what's also interesting? What's also interesting is uh, uh, is the their other animation stuff, right? right? Did you guys watch any of the Pixar stuff that came out? Like Soul, I, saw, I, I really loved Soul. I thought Soul was great. Uh, yeah what's interesting to me i mean i used to criticize i used to criticize uh uh pixar you know when they got bought by disney uh as being like oh here they go they're gonna make you know princess and car movies uh, constantly right because that's that was the disney model right Right. what was interesting is it kind of flipped right yeah they it it went the other way around with when 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 camel and and lassiter went there and i was like "Eh, that's interesting but what's nice is that soul went back to like you're not selling toys right. with the movie Soul. <laughs> right. Not at all. Not at all. Right. Like, like it, that was the thing. I was like, I mean, I know you don't like Up, Dan, but Up was not a movie about selling toys. Oh, I agree. Car, I mean, Cars I is a movie talk. about selling toys. Right. And so is, you know, so is what's that, the princess, the Scottish princess one that they did. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember that. But, but yeah. Wolfwalkers? Exactly. No. Wolfwalkers no. is good. Oh, that looks great. I have not seen that. You're talking about uh, Brave. Brave. Was that brave, like brave. Like, yeah, that's a that's that brave is selling toys. Like brave right. turns into a theme ride at Disney, right? Right, exactly. Up right. does not turn into a theme ride at Disney, even right. though it could technically with. Like, there's those. elements of Up, and there's elements of Soul that you can sell as toys, but it's not a toy based operation. You right. know, like community cars is fucking toys, toys. Yeah. <laughs> like I, toys. Dave says, "I want to go to the Nomad Land theme park." The, that's right. <laughs> the Nomad Land theme park, yeah, yes, or right. my dinner with Andre theme park, which would be. You know. 
<laughs> I also just want to give a shout out to Jason who had a couple of beads while we were talking with the uh, 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 yet another fan I just look forward chips freeze frame endings yes that is the alternate to the French cafe ending is the chips freeze frame yes. I think that is that is an excellent excellent where they have their them. cafe and they go with a little you know with a little plinky like Cling! freeze frame freeze pulls frame. out ah, text <laughs> yes absolutely true absolutely true but yeah, no, I think that like that Disney is Disney is in a wild position right now where like I think they're the only big it's because I like like especially with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like both of those shows uh are so much more inventive and daring than the films that they sprung from. Yes. That I was shocked. I was like Usually it's the other way around. Like the movies do something crazy and TV is boring. Whereas right. like the the movies were the generic stuff and now in TV they feel free to be I as weird as feel possible. Feel that yeah, well that's because of streaming. Streaming yeah. that you could, streaming like change. you know like WandaVision would I don't think WandaVision would have happened the way it did if it no. wasn't for things like Stranger Things. Right? Absolutely. Stranger exactly. Things makes makes that happen, right? And so oh, when no. I look at Mandalorian and is like Mandalorian is not like if Mandalorian was like Stranger Things, I was like, oh, oh okay. yeah. yeah. I, like you and I totally agree. Like it would be great to have really original fresh Star Wars back. Right. And Mandalorian is not that. <laughs> no, it's not that at all. It is right? the opposite of that. Like right? that doesn't mean I Rogue don't enjoy one, it. I really Rogue do. One is good because it yeah. has like it has it has that well, you know what the thing that works with Rogue One is that Rogue One brings back some of those really amazing war films, right? Like the Bridge That's over River Kwai and stuff yeah. like that, totally. which is what was the original it's inspiration for the yeah. original Star Wars, right? right. Was like right. <coughs> excuse me, those types of things. But then the later it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like, they, Rogue One, Rogue One's very smart because they designed something that was sort of fan service friendly. Because there's like, it's it's about this very small sort of plot hole in Star Wars about the Death Star, niche, and it's niche, got like yeah, very, one specific very, thing. Like, and so there's like, okay, we will play ball by the fact that this has to basically be a part of an established thing. We understand that, but within that framework, we're going to make a great war movie with yeah. a depressing ending. Like I was just like Jeepers Creepers, yeah. You know, and that Disney a Star Wars film where movie. everyone dies is yeah, quite it's shocking, unique. shocking. And also, I have to say, like, it also contains probably my third or fourth favorite robot in movie history, like the, the Alan Tudyk's. I can't remember the name, the number of the robot. The second like, robot it, that he's ever done, right? Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. And he's and he is fucking hilarious in that movie. He's absolutely great. The robot design is excellent. Yeah. Uh, my number one for anyone who's interested, my number one robot of all time is uh is the robot from interstellar which i would buy as a toy right now if that was a cool robot that's fucking that was beautiful yeah my all-time favorite very unusual robot robot. yeah i was gonna say from uh from uh you know the black hole but that's okay you can oh maximilian from the maximilian no i was the 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 trash can one (laughs) (laughs) yeah bob and vincent yeah yes not not high on my list (laughs) got props to a fucking uh uh, what's his name slim pickens doing the voice and and, uh uh, oh really was it slim pickens slim pickens and roddy mcdowell doing his voice it's not exactly as a high point in that you know who was an interesting robot it was a terrible movie it was one of those Mars movies. Oh God! It's Mission weird. to Mars or Mission, one of Red those Planet. Red Planet. One of those. They yeah, had a robot on. The, 
They had a robot no, that was like a dog that like. Oh know, yeah, that's that's red. That's red planet. Yeah, that was red pretty. Red the mechanics of that robot was pretty cool. Oh, they're pretty. It was pretty nifty. That was pretty fun. Yeah, nifty, like, right? But it's, that, I mean, that, I'm not that particular smart robot. It's fun. No, it's like it's a, it's a fun it's a fun monster bot. You know, I loved I loved how they pulled off the robot. Going back to our original films, I loved how they pulled off the robot in Moon because that was like that's really clever because yeah. he's everywhere. He is part yeah. of the. The ba- he is the base, and yeah, he just yeah. got weird arms that can do things. And yeah. it's so interesting how they made that work in the set. It's like that's not, yeah, you know, would a, a clever a clever special effects guy could make most of that happen with a few couple arms. It's like you just got a yep. little pulley. They could probably just pull it with a with a string <laughs> to make it move yeah. across the rails, right? right. You exactly. know, exactly. and it's like yes, yeah, that's, that's not it. that's pretty good. And then that's and what good. I love about it. It's like, I mean, you, if you did and that his perfect, entire but, facial expressions, emojis, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, it's a rail system. Emojis right. are great. Yeah. yeah. So good. And the thing is, man, really? if you made that movie today with like 80 million bucks, like it would be, the whole thing would be CG and it would have like weird unfoldy crazy shit that moved really smooth. Totally. And it would slide. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. It's just like all this kind of bullshit. Whereas this kind of like, kind of, you know, it's a little janky as it's trying to make its way down the track. And I'm just like. Yeah, it seems shitty. Like it would be in that fucking station. Like this is not the nice place. This isn't like the super fancy, you know, high, you know, high expense, wonderful place. This is the sh- sort of shitty job that you get when you get nothing else. You're working in basically a bus station for gas, <laughs> you know, right. and like the yeah. jankiness of it is why it why it works, you know. And then leaning into that in the production is uh, is is really is really a plus. What a what a fucking. Phew. Home run, home run, you know. I think it's like, it was five million for, for the cost. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Now, Duncan Jones has since he made a movie for Netflix, which I did not see called Mute, but that uh, didn't yes. get very good reviews. I want to, I want to see that. Yeah, I meant to see that. I liked. Uh, it's got uh, Peter Scars, not Peter Scarsgard, was Stellan Scarsgard's son, whatever his name is. Um, and I wanted to see it. I didn't get to see it. Um, and, but I don't think he's done anything since then. I just put, I put in the, uh, chat, there's a link to a, a comic book, which I believe he co-wrote, which is set in the moon universe. So if people really liked moon, yes. uh, I would say, check out more of that, that with that comic. I have not read it, but it looked, looked, looked pretty interesting. I read about um, that on Wikipedia. Yeah. There's like yeah. one that's, it's a companion. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So please, yeah, if you see if you see that, uh, scroll up in the chat. And I, I put that in as a link. Um, but yeah, it's the I think that uh, that there's a new like the kinds of things that save Disney and uh, and you know like give that refresh the big blockbuster things uh, are created by people like Duncan Jones and the guy who did Robot and Frank. Like this is where you get the freshness from. And now you're going to mostly find this stuff. Uh, created for Netflix and Amazon at pretty low levels, still at low levels of production, you know, <clears throat> and, uh, and that, that it's starting to return to the farm league concept of this is how we find new good directors to, to stick in the, the farm league. Uh, yeah, it, basically. Right. It because is, that's, though, isn't it? right. So, that's like, the, that's how you get people like Paul Greengrass who did all the, uh, the, 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 yes. the last born movies and all that stuff. He's like, I love teaching style when he, that came out. I oh, love that. Great. Like bloody Sundays, man. I, I love Greengrass. Bloody Sunday is a great film. Yeah. 
super, super good. And they, they find that guy um, basically because he makes this low budget shaky cam, you know, intense Irish movie by himself. And then they go like, let's bump you up into the, the high stakes gamble with, you know, some, you know, action spy Matt Damon stuff and see what you do. And uh, I think that's how to sustain that material. And for the most part, Disney forgot that. And they've uh, the reason why Star Wars went off the rails is because they stopped investing and most studios stopped investing in, uh, you know, high end super creatives to take their product in new directions and more give it over to because they felt they could control the market better. And like in the short term, you can like with the Marvel Studios stuff like uh, Marvel movies are good and entertaining. And there's a couple of really great ones. So I'm not knocking them, but like they are an extremely uniform, heavily produced product. Like that's what they're made to be. And they're reaching the tail end of that life cycle. Like there's like, it's hard to create new Marvel stuff that are, people are interested in without also making something pretty dynamic and fresh. And so like, Hey guys, I got to step away for a second, but my, my, my mic and video are not gone. So don't worry about it. All right. (laughs) Just keep talking. But like, like it's, it's heartening to see Disney uh, realize that with Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision, you do have to take creative risks in order to make your franchises work for a long period of time. Like you have to have real creative investment. And the only place you're going to find people like that is in indie, indie film. Like, yeah. that, like you're going to find like Duncan Jones, you know, he, he would be better served by the, the new structure that's being built by streaming um, if he wants to go and do a big budget movie, go and do a big budget movie now for Netflix that will let you can really control. Unlike Warcraft, you know, like Warcraft has Warcraft presented and it's going to make you make a movie that you may not want to make. But now I think if you went to Netflix, instead of like getting the, you only get $6 million shitty deal that he got for mute. Like they would give him uh, a real budget to make a Blade Runner level of thing uh, that he could really have. Uh, saying I may be wrong about that. Maybe he's, he's already off that train, but that's the kind of stuff that I think that they would be interested in now, because yeah. I think that that large, big companies realize that the long term doesn't mean anything unless your short game is exciting. Like that's the money ball of that situation. Like, unless you, unless you're willing to invest in real artists who like fucking freshen the plot, the pot with some, uh, uh, with some new material, then your shit's going to die out. And suddenly you're in the middle of a pandemic. You're like, we can't make money off of boats or theme parks. What else do we have left? Marvel? No. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, like your, 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 your ability to uh, haul in the cash goes away much faster than you think, unless you have a good uh, deep bank or like a deep bench of new fresh players. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm very psyched about for free for streaming. Yeah. And you know it's interesting. Did you guys see that Deloitte and Touche uh, uh, anal- uh, analysis of the streaming uh, entertainment world? No, how did it go? Uh, well, basically, it's the difference between millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, all that stuff, hmm. and priorities for Gen Y. Movies and TV shows are like fifth on their list. Oh yeah, guess I'm so, guessing it's video games. Yes. That's yeah, number one? Uh, yes, video games yep. are number one. Hold on a second. I, I'll talk. Dan, are you with me? I'm with you. Still with us? Everyone together? All right. That's yes. right. It's good. 
Are you with us, Chris? Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're good. Now, Karen just came home. She's like, why are you podcasting in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> so Technical it's, issues. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I just got back from, from doing something. So, uh, but I, that anyway, so, 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 so yeah, but, video games and like, uh, so all this different, it's, it's massively different. Like where do you sure. get all your information? You know, like all the, the differences are so huge and basically the idea of people are going to watch more YouTube and Twitch, a lot yep. more YouTube and Twitch oh, yeah. than they're watching yeah. streaming at all. Oh, but by leaps and bounds by yeah. so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And this so is why like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to tell you know, like my creative friends and people that make film, you know, uh, like that when we are making these things, like we start to have, start thinking about making them for YouTube because we're not going to be selling to Netflix. We're going to be making things for YouTube and generating right. our own content. And that's how you do it. Like, there's no other way to do it. Like, you, so like I've been doing the wrong thing for, for the past three years. Hey, I've been doing the wrong thing for a lot, about as long and much Yeah, longer. streaming is not going to become as, <laughs> streaming is already, is already old. Streaming is, is, is old school. And like, right, it's, right. I mean, it's great. And I think it was the revolution that we needed for the kind of content that we had. Yeah. But, uh, but YouTube but and Twitter. that I write in writing can only be on streaming. Yeah, yeah, no, don't worry. It's not going to still work. The, I mean, yeah. You know, don't worry. Still, Gen still, X people are still alive. Yeah, we have plenty of time left. It's all good, um, but that's that is what that is made for. In many, right. And you, what your project is made specifically for that, and it's perfect. But Gen you know? Y has no, I have no idea. They have don't they don't they're not going to be you know nostalgic for seventies rockers. <laughs> no, they're not going to be nostalgic for seventies movies. They're not going to be. There's there's nothing like that going on, you know. And I think that the that the the way the content will be followed and created uh, is like. Fresh new stuff and interesting things are going to be made by creators on YouTube and done live on Twitch by by creators there. Like that's going to be the cutting edge, and I'm super excited about that. And uh, like that's right. like that's that's where if you want to know where the next like you know like Francis Ford Coppola and you know yeah, uh, it's there, it, I know. it's there. You know, it's like like yeah, if you want if you if you want to be on the uh, 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 what's her name? Who directed uh, uh, Mikey and Nikki and uh, New Leaf? Uh, Elaine like, May. Elaine May. If you want to know with who the new Elaine May is going to be, like she's going to come from TikTok. <laughs> like so, keep it that. Right. Keep your eye on that. That's the like we're yeah. we're still floating the boat for all the old guys, and there's plenty of time left. Yeah. To make when Easy movies. Rider came around, that was a very strange film for yeah, a lot of people. Like, like what the hell are that? That's not movies. Exactly. My entertainment was MGM, you know, that's and, the big shows. Yeah, you know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. That's what right. the movies are about. Oh, you guess like people getting shot on motorcycles. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck is this wild bunch shit? This is awful, you know. But I mean, the thing is, like, I, you know, when I was born, those movies were way too old. Love is Ginger's Fred, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers was way too old for me when I was young. But I watched them now. Like, it's still all valid. You know, what's weird is I watched it because that was my only association with uh with america right because uh, yeah, when i was living in greece yeah it was i was living in greece and those they were they would play those movies right on tv right. and so it was like that's what it is like, that's uh, what america is yeah, yeah. Which america is, is ginger you know? rogers and frit astaire and i would you know so yeah that's, that's looking awesome and there's and those movies are incredible top hat all that shit it's great you know like and i love all those things now like nobody's going to make a movie like that unless it's a stunt now but like they still find their audience. You know, they like, did. Do you remember there. they tried to? What was the what was the movies they did with Ewan McGregor and 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 stuff that oh, was, yeah, like, was um, the, 
supposed yeah. to feel like those 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 silly 50s movies. yeah that's sort of like uh yeah the old the 50s style musical stuff well yeah i can't remember the name of it but it's good yeah it has um uh the one on chat channel remember Zellweger. it had renee zellweger in it renee so. zellweger yeah yeah uh something i love you uh no i can't remember anyway like yeah exactly there's always going to be a niche for that kind of stuff and a rom- romantic comeback for like you know la la land and all sorts of new stuff like that la la land there you yeah. go and so like I'm and I'm into it, but I know I realize that I'm part of a niche audience that likes old stuff, you know, and uh, but it's always going to be available if you want to if you want to talk about the new stuff and the sort of the shock of the new, like, you, you know, get Twitch, get TikTok and play some video games because that's where the fucking hot stuff is happening. That's where the new creators are. And they're going to they're going to tell stories in ways that we have not seen, which is what makes it exciting, you know, yeah. and uh, and then right. even for like if you know, Disney follows through correctly. Like even Gen Xers, like for instance, I believe Chloe Zhao is a Gen, a Gen Xer. Like she's essentially cutting new ground uh, for film by making these, uh, like Nomadland's a big hit and it's up for best picture. And it is a, it's a pseudo documentary experience. Like it's part real, part fictional, and it's all played off as one story. And it's really and like like I've seen that done before in indie films, but I've never seen a popular movie that operates at that level. It's not like you know everyone knows what uh, you know what uh, medium cool is. You know, like yeah. uh, you know, like there there are movies that do this, but this is the first thing that has broken through as like a popular, acceptable way to do this. And people just go, yeah, cool, makes sense, that's great. And so I think that there's like streaming is definitely allowed for these creatives to come in and rock that boat. And it's just whether or not the when they when they are grabbed up, like Duncan Jones was, uh, for the for the Transformers level of production, whether they end up wasting their time, and that's my that's my great fear. It's like when you see like a real indie talent get sucked up like that because like you know I can't I can only defend Warcraft so much. It's still a <laughs> shitty Warcraft movie. <laughs> you know it's just I'm a glad little bit. You finally admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Duncan. I mean, that's it's, it's as good as that movie is going to be, and it's because it's because of him that movie is. That was an expensive movie, too. Yeah. yeah, did well in China. Did pretty well in China. Well, right, but that's what the, that that was in the era where we're just going to make really expensive movies that we can sell a billion tickets in China, right? Because right. that's the goal. If we can make one, you know, buy everyone in China buys one dollar tickets, then we're going to make a billion dollars, right? So right. that's the yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like the now there have never been, I don't believe, any good movies made out of video games. For instance, uh, I've now. Uh, come on, there's got to be some. Is there? What 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 good films? What made? Good, no. Movies made out of video games. A good yeah. one. Is there a good one? Hang on. Best. I'm gonna. I just have to be googled. Best uh, movies based on. Video games. Okay, like the winners are Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog. Heat uh, was made from a video game. Which one? Heat. Uh, I don't believe so. No. Uh, okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm oh, no, no, sorry. It sounded like it sounded that sounded amazing. Yeah, like no, he was actually based on a TV uh, a TV movie also directed by Michael Mann. Uh, the uh, but yeah, so like the video game movie list. Let's see. Number one on the list I happen to be looking at 
is okay. Detective Pikachu, which is not that bad. It's a pretty good Detective Pikachu. Now, okay, now hold on. Is Pikachu a TV? Is 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 Pikachu is is Pokemon a video game or a TV show first? I I honestly don't know which came first, so I can't really say. That reveals my age. But like the, uh, but if you to get into strict, okay, so Sonic the Hedgehog, sixty three percent. Tomb Raider, Rampage, Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy. Because the only contender now is just released on HBO. I haven't seen it. Is the new version of Mortal Kombat? Maybe that's entertaining, possibly. But the fact is, like the reason why these movies are terrible is because largely they are made by people who have no fucking okay, idea okay. what a good video game is. Okay, they're, but they are going to make they are going to make a uh, Last of Us uh, TV show. Yes. That and that will be good. That has a chance. To that's be because that's more like a TV show. Well, it's a story. It's got a really, it's got a really good story to go from. Right. Like, oh, oh, oh. what about uh, what about uh, what about uh, what's the what's the TV show with the uh, the oh, God uh, Witcher? Yes, yeah, my daughter loves The Witcher. Witcher, right. Witcher is a is a book first and then a video game. So at least yeah, she's read all the books. Right. She loves right. The Witcher. Yeah, right. and Guys, and a Game of Thrones is based on oh Skyrim. How cool is that? <laughs> you know that moon lens flare there. Oh yeah, look at right? that. Hey, look it's at that lens flare. Right, See, live like, filmmaking on I'm Twitch. Here. Right I'm driving. I'm going to go right. check out the jammer. You're looking for the new the new hotness. It's Eric Sheely with some fine lens flare on the uh, screen right. right there. Yeah. Look at that. That's moon right. lens flare. This Come is on. it, dude. We're gonna get some. This will be like Darius Clooney by the time we're uh, upgrading to version two. Yeah, that's it. Like it's uh, it's all about production value here at Martini Giant, as you'll soon see with Martini Giant 2.0, which we're very very excited 2. about. 0. We got mugs, we got shirts coming up. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time here at the studios. <laughs> you guys, I know, I know, I know. We've got, uh, you know. Let us know what you guys think, because uh, we're also looking for ideas of what we can put in our store. Eric, of course, is very prolific with ideas. He's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like that idea, don't worry. I have 200 others. That's right. Uh, Jams that constantly. He's constantly jamming out stuff. So, But if you guys have ideas that you guys want, uh, that would be great. Here's one thing that we were having a, for some reason, having a hard time dealing with or figuring out last uh, when we were on the phone with each other. Besides Scruggs it, which we totally know is an inside martini giant, like inside joke. What other kind of inside joke do you guys remember from martini giant that would be like kind of serve, serve <laughs> a good merch in the merch, in the merch <laughs> thing, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Anything, anything you've heard on any one of these episodes, like, I think, I believe there are a couple from chat uh, that uh, from the watch parties, such as uh, two in the drink was great. <laughs> two, two in the drink, <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, there's two in the drink two, was a really good one. Two in the drink was a classic, and the uh, and so there's there's a few. But please, from please feel free to write and remind us of uh, uh, what you might two want to drink. Say. Yeah, that was it's a dirty joke classic right there. Yeah, and the is uh but anybody you can you can send this to us please let us know because we are in the are in the um in the business of creating new merch but there's been some very fancy cup designs by mr eric Sheely and some t-shirt designs that i think are going to be hysterical uh they're going to be available very shortly i'm, I'm tying merkins just so you guys know what oh I'm yeah there we go nothing yes yeah, not that kind of merkin that kind of merkin that kind of merkin yeah there you go as opposed to um the the president of the United States played by Peter Sellers in Doctor Strange Love, Merkin Muffley. 
One of really? The that was that's, his name? That was his name, Merkin Muffley. Oh my god. One of the, that's that's up there with any Bond girl's name of all time. I think that's better than any of the Bond girls. Merkin Muffley, president of the United States. <laughs> For anyone who knows who Merkin is, that's Dimitri. Dimitri, like, can you turn down the radio, Dimitri? <laughs> of course yeah. I like to call and say hello. Of course I want to be Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. Dimitri. Of course, I'd like to have a nice call. Listen, if it wasn't a nice call, yeah, come I coming in fine? That's good. Thank Dimitri. Thank you. Good and clear and coming through. I'm fine. Coming fine. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, man. I uh, I I love Sellers, but like I think his uh, his Merkin Muffley is ties only with his sleazeball and Lolita for uh, yeah, for best performance, like unreal unreal that guy was that's the top of his game pink panther very good being there terrific but uh mark and muffley is forever in my mind then that's what you get off of uh chris's official martini giant uh lure will be of course the mark and muffley <laughs> you can see not him a lure, it's a fly <laughs> it's a fly a I'm, lure. I'm still getting educated on exactly what this is yeah. and you can see him if for twitch watchers you can see that is what he's doing right there he is winding a fly. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a tying. It's called tying a fly. You are tying a merkin. <laughs> I, am, I am tying a merkin. A surfing merkin. Actually, technically, it's not a surfing merkin. It is a holy moly, but that's okay. The holy moly. The holy moly. The merkin. See, on, I can actually explain. See, the merkin fly. This is a merkin fly. It's kind of puffed on that's both cool. sides like that. So it's got. Two two sides to oh, the, like where that. the hair goes, you know, kind of things. Yeah, that's right. And the, the moly, here we go. The holy moly is all. It's like a half a puffball. Oh, look like, at that! It's kind of like a like a like a like a like a like a poofy. Like a, imagine you did a like a pom pom, but you only tied a pom pom on one side. And right. So when it's when the, the it's going away from you, it just kind of looks a little more round. Right. That's basically the idea. So, the, yeah. yeah like I, I, and now Chris has also done some beautiful videos. Uh, and fast forward watching these. Uh, this, this, yeah, this, this is uh, not, this is, we're, this, this is me just trying to distract myself while we're talking about Star Wars because I was getting a little angry. You're getting Star <laughs> Wars angry? Well, what, what? I don't know. <laughs> it, Mandalorian, you know, when we're like trying to talk about like, that's the best Star Wars, like, really? That's the best you can do? <laughs> it is the most four quadrant Star Wars ever made. Like, that's it's the way the I most passable, passable thing possible is the best. And somehow that is everyone is. I, I just get a little upset when they're like when people say Kong versus Godzilla was great. It's like, listen, listen, come on, listen. I'm all for, for <laughs> I'm all for big things fighting each other, you know. Sure. And Pacific Rim was fine, you mm -hmm. know. But this Pacific Rim at least put some humor or something into it. This wasn't even funny. No, you know? that, that, that's the the problem with it. It is it is a bad movie. <laughs> the the problem isn't the kind of movie it is, but it, but people said it was. Some people said it was good. I'm, I'm, like, I'm all. If people enjoyed it. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna step in and try and take that away. For my part, like you can make a good movie that delivers all the same things that everyone can agree is great. Like it doesn't have to be smart in order to be great. Like it just has to not be mostly incredibly boring, followed by a fight. 
<laughs> like but that's once again, if they end up in a Paris cafe, Paris cafe solved. Absolutely. The solved. Paris cafe idea is a really interesting, like you solve all movies by because yeah, I believe it wasn't that the end of one of the, like, like a, like a Batman film uh where yeah, literally it's a paris cafe and then that's where, where michael kane like i was totally by. confused by the ending of that so I, that didn't have the paris cafe effect i was like wait what is he oh it's over <laughs> that was my, right that was my reaction um but that may have just been the night that i happened i have not seen the movie i've only seen the movie once and uh and like i'm as i said i have nolan's late period i'm a big nolan fan and uh but that was the i think that is and I don't need to watch that movie again. I think it's fun to quote Bane and uh, and mumble, but that's right. that's the end of my. Which one don't movie. you want to see again? The third Batman movie is the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Or, yeah, I think that's it. And um, what about and, the one we saw the other day? That was which one? Tenet. Oh yeah, no, yeah, like uh, that's well. Uh, as I said, for people who didn't catch the Tenet episode, which is currently playing, um, like Tenet, I only kind of like the first time. But then I watched it again and liked it more. And then I followed that like till time number six. And now I'm like, I really love this movie, but I don't think there's any way to like this movie on the first go around at all. Like it doesn't make any sense. And there's no uh, uh, character connection because it's all intentionally out of order. And that's kind of irritating. It but, is irritating. Uh, yeah. And so I totally get what you guys were complaining about. And, like I felt basically the same way. I just happened to see a bunch more. Huh, but you have to watch it more. Yeah, it's like it's it was like the excuse where we had with the Star Wars film, you know, when they were like, was like, why is it this? It's like, why couldn't we get this? It's like, ah, oh, you'll just have to get it on the next one. That's what we're yeah. so excited about. It's like, but like, no, just give first, it to me now. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, you would you would argue that there's like food that is an acquired taste that you don't like on the first go around, but you later learn to appreciate. Right? That's, That's different. That's different. This is mm-hmm. saying no, no, no. You have to digest this movie twice. You have to be a cow. You got to throw it up. And it's do an it acquired again. taste. <laughs> it's an acquired taste, is what I'm saying. So, like, I think that like that's the thing. I mean, you guys have only seen the movie once, I believe. Yeah. So it's and I don't still want out to there regurgitate to... it. <laughs> no, the, it's, Look, if I, I saw Moonraker once the... or twice. Yeah, but that's now, about it. Yeah. but Moonraker is better the more you chew it. The more cud you chew in Moonraker, the oh. better that movie gets. You have to admit that that is true. <laughs> cud Raker. That's what we're talking about. That with that with that. Moonraker. Moon. Emphasis on M O O. Moonraker is a cud chewing movie that because yeah. that re- greater returns the more you chew on it. Moonraker ten- is a cud raker. Yeah, chum, like chum slick, chum slick, <laughs> chum slick. There you're looking for one of the words. The but like I, I definitely feel I'm, I'm puzzled by why you made a movie that you must watch twice in order to enjoy. But in that I did, I do. So I can't really complain about it. I well, like that's a good okay. movie now. You know, um, but I think it's I don't know what the value was to him of making that movie. I'd be interested to hear his argument for why he made that movie, because like for most people, they're only going to see it once. And it's not going to work. Like that's a strange yeah. way to alienate. alienate well, your hold on. He, no, that's not true. Because and there, there are there are Nolan fanboys out there who will sure. watch and analyze things to depth, and that's who he was delivering for. He was only delivering to them. Well, he that's who he's depending on. I suppose but, that's true. right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so right. a lot of people think that I'm a I'm a big no. I I don't like Nolan. That's not true. And I want to put this on record in terms of this, the Martini Giant because I'm like, I know you hate Nolan. It's like, I don't hate Nolan. <laughs> I actually think Nolan is a very good filmmaker. And I thought that what he did, especially for the first two Batmans, was 
awesome and brought mm-hmm. back a genre that was really good. Oh yeah, he's right? totally responsible for making this whole fucking thing happen that's around us now. Right, and I did. I thought Inception was okay. It was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 uh, and Interstellar was like that's that's a that's a pretty good movie. It's a little too no when when Nolan. <laughs> there's a little too much Nolan-ness about it. Right. And when right. he gets a little too much Nolan and Tenet is like the ultimate Nolan. It's 100% Nolan. Yeah, it's 100%. so Nolan. It was like, Oh, just yeah. give me a movie, you know, yeah. instead of just being obsessed about how yourself. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm into the Nolan vibe when he like, it's like, you know, we talked about in this episode, like I, I later, like, I don't like his, his first couple of movies. I'm not a big fan of. And uh, I slowly get to like his movies until like his later like past four or five movies I really, really like. Prestige, I like. Yeah, Prestige. Start, especially starting with Prestige, which is just like, that was a startlingly good movie. That was the movie that I had the, like the, how people felt about Memento, I felt about Prestige. Like I didn't like Memento very much, but uh, no, Prestige was a, big, was a big breakthrough for me. I thought that was very good. Uh, and very, and as advent, that was a more inventive movie to me than Memento was. Like Memento was clever, but you know, kind of of its period it, like to be kind to it like it's that's a standard 90s crime picture told in a clever way um but uh, by the time he gets to prestige it's actually really really good and very very interesting and then later on like i don't like the third batman but i like i really like you know dunkirk and i really like uh 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 i loved interstellar and like i think he's he's got a good role and i like the flavor of his movies and but the thing is that and i loved inception but if you don't like that particular flavor and brand then tenet will never ever be for you because tenet is that's his mind like that's his brain that's the stuff he likes he's like i want to make james bond movies i want to make them complex for no reason (laughs) you know i like explaining things to the audience and he just completely turns into it as hard as he can and i don't think any of these things are negatives and I, i enjoy the way he does it so i was totally on board for that movie the more i got to know it but it is a movie that like you know, unless you're hanging around for the long term, and it, it is a time. movie made for some guy on YouTube to analyze the crap yeah. out of it. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's who's going to do it, right? There's right. people oh, who yeah. make there's going to be what? like ridiculous amount of people just talking about things constantly yeah. about. But it's a, but it, to tie it into what we were talking about, that's an it is an interesting decision in that that's how people on YouTube talk about movies. Like right. if you're talking about movies on YouTube, this is what you're doing. You know, and so he's making a movie not for the Nolan crowd so much as like he's trying to predict the YouTube crowd. You know, and I don't think I don't think he really hit it uh, the way he may have intended to with Tenet because Tenet didn't play with wide audiences. And you know what? That works. That works really well because people on YouTube. Well, he also did it. People on YouTube says, you know what I can do is I can analyze. I can analyze the crap out of this film, and people are going to watch this film since I don't get it. They're going to go on YouTube and say. Let me explain Inception to you. So they, they right. so it works perfectly because a lot of people are going to click on that link, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it feeds it feeds into the mindset of how people sort of uh, review review movies now. And like, I have a lot of problems with like I I have a lot of problems with the way that art is talked about on YouTube because it's basically talked about as a commodity that is meant to serve the audience only, and that's not the boundaries of art for me. And so like basically most YouTube, most YouTube shows about films are, uh, are, are, are mainly complaining about modern, modern movies. Like here's everything that's wrong with this movie. That That's a YouTube episode for like a hundred different YouTube channels. Just like, you know, what stinks about this incredibly popular thing list. 
right? right. It's just like, fuck off. <laughs> you know, like, why are you trying to make people not like something that's dumb? You know, um, but at the same time, the uh, the engagement they have in order to do that is by watching and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching a thing and chewing the cut of the movie. And so it is interesting to try to turn into the steer into the curve on that and say, like, why don't I make a movie that is literally intentionally re only rewatchable? And so, like, uh, I think that's a that's a Gen X response to trying to interpret what, say, Gen Y people uh, are going to want. I don't think it worked. You know, I don't think I think it's a sort of a failed experiment. But I think but that's exactly you said chewing the cud, right? That's right. exactly what Nolan's films are all about chewing the cud. Yeah. They're never yeah. delicious the first time. You can't just go, <laughs> that was a delicious like film. No, 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 no. You have to <laughs> eat it over and over and over again and really just regurgitate it constantly before you can start before to, yeah and i think it's, anything, you make that, that sound bad but it's what i do i do enjoy that that is fun. i understand I think what, that i think what you i think what you need chris is more stones in your gullet that's what i do <laughs> like you get that in the second pouch but you should be able to look at a film listen i appreciate the fact that i didn't see something that was great the first time around but it's when you look at tenet tenet is like oh no this is completely confusing because the timelines are all messed up and it's not but why? You get to <laughs> <laughs> Not till you get to the end that you have to go. Oh, I have to watch that all over again now. So the first the one, happened. like the first time you watch it, like, way, so the, I, I, I have I to watch you're this. Thinking that because Tenet truly is a James, a bad James Bond film. <laughs> are there a good? Are there good James Bond movies? I'm not entirely there sure. Are. It's just, well, look, the first couple of ones with with what's his name with from Flynn. Russia with Love, Goldfinger, A plus, fantastic, and one and one or two of the yeah. of the new ones. I like the new ones. The and new ones are good. But the thing is, Tenet was just this kind of, everything was just this great thing on a mantelpiece. Like, we're going to Italy. We're going to, it, it just, it didn't, it just was pretentious. It didn't really have a focus. And it, it was just, and it was like, well, it's so, it was kind of the way I felt when I saw his first one, which was the, essentially, um, you know, the one with, uh, what's the Guy one, Pierce. the first one? Yeah, no, Guy Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't work for you. Didn't work for you. I, no, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I think the, it, was the, like, kind of a, it was silly because it was just all over the place and expected you to follow. And okay, so then they want you to go and rent it again. But I don't know. I don't think any, like, I, I didn't feel that way when I walked out of watching Alien or, right. you know what I mean? And it's, um, well, the thing is, he's like, a good for, filmmaker. Prestige was great. Yeah, Prestige is fantastic. So, like, the, the question that I have then is, like, Mandalorian is the definition of get it when you first watch it. Like, you get every, literally everything out of the Mandalorian did, on the first go. Sure. Everything. You know, like, there's the, there's no, like, rewatchableness to Mandalorian. It's just, like, you just go, oh, this is really pretty. That was really fun. Or I like that fight. I'm not going to watch Mandalorian again. <laughs> like, it's like, this is all. I get everything I watched on the first time when I watched Doctor Strangelove, too. It's, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's true with me, but yeah, like I think that there's a like there. I mean, I there's another that, joke, but I got the whole gist when I watched the whole thing. Sure, yeah, but like there's yeah. a like you know you take a movie like many of my favorite movies are movies that I did not get the first time. It's just that I basically like them the first time, which is not true with Tenet. I don't think Tenet's ever going to become one of my favorite movies of all time, but I do think it's interesting that like for instance, like uh, Don't Look Now, I didn't I hated when i first saw it i thought it was terrible then i saw it again and suddenly i was like what the fuck was i thinking good god that movie's one of the best movies i've ever seen you know but there's something had to happen in my brain first 
It's like getting the yeah, first COVID shot, you know? And so like, uh, and I don't want to overstate the tenant argument on that, but I do think it's interesting that like the solution for things like Star Wars is like, they have to bring it down to a simmer with something that everyone can agree on. Like there's no fight about like, is, is Mandalorian pretty? Like, does it work with the Star Wars, you know, the basic Star Wars bed? Yes. Like it all, everything, it's all right. It has fan service, but it has good action scenes and the characters are kind of fun and like it plays like old TV. And so everyone is at minimum fine with it. And for maximum, people really do enjoy it, you know, but like they had to turn down the gas on it so far that basically it became like Star Wars goulash before they could get control of their license again. You know, and like, uh, like not one episode of Mandalorian, and this is a show that I really enjoy, especially second season, holds a candle to Moon, at all. Yeah. Like, not even close. You know, and exactly. like, and like, Moon is the thing that I need more of in my life. You know, like that's the. So why that's... don't they just go and give a whole franchise? I mean, if you're gonna roll the dice, give it to Tarantino or Duncan yeah. Jones, somebody. Well, I, mean, I almost thought like Tarantino always flirts with doing a Star Trek movie. I'm just yeah. like, you couldn't fuck up Star Trek anymore. Why not give it to him? Like, just give him the thing and do something interesting. Like, it well, may or may not. Thing. We don't. We have nothing to lose. Let's just do it. Just, just give it a shot, man. Like, there's nothing. There's you cannot lose any more ground. There's no more ground to lose. Like, Star Trek is as dead a license as you could possibly ask for. Like, the the fandoms are split up. Like. 50 miles apart everybody really hates what it, oh it's fucking it's atrocious they're like every single show has its own defenders and only wants what they want the new shows all the old people don't like the new and the people that like the new shows don't like the old shows well, how you know? did it get there because uh too many shows <laughs> too much, yeah like the, the the first the first schism is because uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, which I'm a giant fan of, I'm one of the only giant fans, but I really legitimately love that movie, uh, uh, did decent numbers, but people didn't like it, right? So they made Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which everybody liked. And the two movies with that... Jimmy he, Khan. With Jimmy uh, With it? gold James Khan, The Wrath of James Khan, I would definitely say. Jimmy Khan! But, like the, uh, but, uh, but Wrath of Khan did huge business, and it's one of the two movies that wrecked Star Trek. It's a great movie. It's an absolutely fantastic action picture. It's really great screenplay. Like, Wrath of Khan is gold. It's pure gold. But the effect of Wrath of Khan is just as bad as the effect of Star Trek IV, which is the whale movie, Star Trek, the comedy one with oh, Spock yeah. and the whales and all that shit. Like, that's a pretty funny movie. I like that movie. But those two movies together combined to influence the box office choices of the movies that came after them. Uh, so by the time you get to making any kind of Star Trek shows, it's turned into vengeance plot lines with stupid jokes. And that's basically all of Star Trek now. Like it's variations on incredibly goofy shit and incredibly bloodthirsty villains. And that's it. And so all the writing is gone. Anything that politically interesting is gone. Uh, like anything that the old show, like that, like the reason why the old show did well is because it's an incredibly well-written show. Like, yeah, I understand there's a, there's a, there's a goofy low budget ness to it now, but these are, yeah. yeah, like, but these are, these are well-written. This is a good 60 TV. That's why, that's why that's it right. And, uh, and that's and why it holds up, I guess, for that's fans why it holds too. Up. Right. Because I mean, I watch old Trek all the time. 
because it's but wasn't really it one guy that was the what's his name um well it's gene roddenberry and like yeah. yeah and yeah and so like he had a he had a vision as to what he wanted that to be in the 60s right and it's between gene roddenberry and lucille ball that make this That's incredible right. uh show you know and uh and like it's a landmark because it's well made and i heard he used to type in a, a big old wingback chair and smoke about four packs of cigarettes when oh sure yeah well, you I mean uh, you talk to Dave three D guy? He's way more about Star Trek than I do, and uh, and I he'll he tell like you, voluminous smoker. Like sure. he would yeah. blow through packs writing. Yeah, I mean, like he's an old he's an old TV guy. This is like that's the style, you know. And like these are like like you make a Mank movie about those days of sixties TV, like when when great television was really being made. And only now are they doing this with Star Trek. Giving some good ideas out, dude. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, yeah, like the, like Star Trek, like, uh, yeah, Dave 3D says Roddenberry hired uh, real sci-fi writers to contribute to scripts to that show. Something uh, I think that we should return to. I totally agree. Like the concepts were really wild, really interesting. And, uh, and they always had like a very strong moral argument being made that made for interesting fucking stories. You know, yeah. and so like the in order to save this, in order to save that license, what you need to get back to is good screenwriting. It's not yeah, a but big that takes surprise. one person at the helm saying, "Run with this. We have yes. nothing to lose." Yeah, and that's you need it. A vision. You need There's a no branding meetings and right. You know, Toys, and none of that shit. Right. Like the only way to save Star Trek is you get someone like David Fincher to produce a show for Netflix, which is a, a ten episode Star Trek. All of them are individual stories that are really powerful, right? There's no big space battles. There's no vengeful bad guys trying to copy Khan. And they are like 100% real, legitimate, powerful stage dramas that have a science fiction inflection. And that's the kind of stuff you're, you find those people that make those things by watching Robot and Frank and by watching Moon. Like that's where you get that good shit from. And only, like, seemingly only Disney has figured this out because they were put in such a pinch. Like they realized, I'm sure like, like in the middle of the pandemic, like when first season Mandalorian was kind of like semi well received, but they're like, they must've realized this is everything. If we don't get Mandalorian, right. We are, we are going to collapse. Like we have lost ground in every major market on every major thing. And one of the two, li- two of the, the two primary licenses we have are almost dead. What do we do? And all our theme parks are screwed. And all our theme parks are screwed. No one's going on boats. So make it work Mandalorian. And then to his credit, John Favreau comes in and does a perfect John Favreau job. John Favreau is in the same ballpark. And I mean, it's entirely complimentary as we were talking about Ron Howard. Like Ron Howard is yeah. a studio guy who knows what he's doing and he knows how to appeal to everybody. And that's what Favreau does. Favreau is an old studio guy. He's a young, he's a younger, much younger man, but he comes in, he's an old studio guy and he's like, let's everybody calm down, come back to the things that we love, make it very simple, get everyone back on board the train. And then we can restart star Wars. And like, if like Disney is the only ones who have figured that out, everybody else is throwing half a billion dollars at Lord of the Rings. That's Good crazy. luck. That's crazy money. <laughs> like that's insane. That's I hear that and I'm like, that is a desperation. You pu- when you publicize that, and you're like, we spend so much money. You're like, oh shit. Like Why would that's you the kind. Of, yeah, like that's the kind of advertisement that Cleopatra did before it went out and bombed. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah, they're just that's like, but we spend so much money. Obviously, it's got to be great, right? We wouldn't spend so much money if it was shitty, would we? Maybe. <laughs> 
you know, and like that's that's the position they find themselves in now. So I think it's a it's a next two years is a big tipping point for streaming. Now, obviously, a big tipping point for movie theaters, but it's a big tipping point for streaming and trying to get guys, like these big franchises. Under do you guys remember when the Matrix sequels were being made? It yes. Like, oh, yeah. It was like everyone, this whole town was working on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> everyone was doing something on it. Right. And that was like because they had so much expectation because the first one was such a success. But the yeah. like, the first one was a was a complete sleeper. Yep. <laughs> I, I was resistant to seeing it. I was like, Keanu Reeves, I don't think this is gonna be any good. Like that's and, and, and in fact it was Dave Three D guy, I'll point it out right now. He was the one that convinced me to see the Matrix. And I was oh. like, I guess so. That's fine. It came out, and of course, my mind was blown. It's a landmark in science fiction. It's an incredibly important picture. Right. But like the the difference between the first one and the second and third ones is the first one is clearly made by a couple of young people who are, you know, one they're working in shitty jobs and they're wondering if they will ever get a chance to make a great movie, and that's the story they tell. Versus two incredibly successful people who have it totally made and have all the money that they want and no one's standing in their way, which is the story of the second two movies. And that's why it's boring. Right. Cause like you don't have anyone to root for. They already, they already made it. Like Keanu is fucking completely unstoppable in those movies. And so you're just like, this is like watching somebody else play a video game. Like who cares? You know, like there's no danger. There's no, there's no interest. I don't know. A lot of people pay a lot of money to watch someone else play a video game. Yeah, like Twitch, right? Exactly. But I mean, like, <laughs> like that's if you look at it as sports, people are watching, listening to us talk about what we're doing here. Of so. course. But I mean, like, you, you listen to, like, you watch someone on Twitch. It's like, it's like the new version of watching sports. You know, like you're watching someone for their skills, right? And if you're watching uh, Matrix movies, which is sad for all all of our listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I think it's probably, uh, there's uh, there's people that I watch on Twitch you know, just because I like the it's awesome to see them do crazy shit. You watch someone play, you know, someone who really knows how to play Celeste. Like you're, it's it's startling how good they are at these incredibly hard games, and it's very fun to watch. But the thing is, and it's also the character and the commentary they're bringing along with it, and uh, and so like when you look at something like say Godzilla versus uh, King Kong, you know, there's no reason why that movie has to be boring and bad. Like you can make it a stupid, fun, crazy action slugfest, and right. I'll, I'll I'll watch it like ten fucking times. Right, that's totally fine. You know, I, like I will Pac watch Rim. that. Like Pac like Pac Rim. Rim. Pacrim, like Pacrim, also a little bit boring for me. Uh, yes, but, but at least, it, at least in you, it was. It felt a little more tongue in cheek. It knew yes. what it was. It knew what the kind of movie that it was. Yeah, well, I mean, Godzilla and Kong did. Did was yeah. I don't know what the hell they were doing. In fact, yeah. but that, the other thing is what's disappointing is that Kong Skull Island was not a not that bad a film either. That's fun. It's dopey, but it's it's pretty fun. It's got I know, some, but it's significantly it. better than the other one. Like what? Like Millie Bobby Brown, who I like in Stranger Things. So like, I think she's a good actor. Yes. Like, what the fuck was she doing in Godzilla in this new one? Being I was paid just like, a lot of money. I mean, like, cash that check, woman. Yeah. But man, oh man, like, what? Cash is that, that check. <laughs> like, I, I get it. I would do the same thing. But if I would look at the script and said, like, do I actually have to be here for this, or can I just be CG? <laughs> like, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Why? Why even be in the picture? But I like the the director of that one is Adam Wingard. Okay, and Adam Wingard made uh, a bunch a bunch of stuff I really liked. 
which is your next, which I liked a lot. I loved his movie, the guest, which is fucking hilarious and awesome. Like scary and strange and really bizarre. And it's very yes, yes. Yeah. Guest is terrific. And he also made, uh, the, what the best one of the VHS, uh, horror vignette movies. He made the, uh, one of the scariest shorts I've ever seen in, in that one. Absolutely fucking terrific. So the guy is a really good director. And he also, he made one, I'm just going to look this up. He made one of the movies that I really liked for, Da, da, da. He made shit. What was it? Outcast, the guest. I know he made one more movie for Netflix that I really loved. But in any case, this guy's a real stylistic real master, deal. Yeah. real deal. And like he gets roped into making King Kong. And I'm like, I'm glad that he got some of his vision through on that thing. But like, if I had to sit through one more fucking minute of Millie Bobby Brown wandering through a bunch of tunnels to spill some booze on a computer so it defeated Mechagodzilla. What movie that, is that? that possibly could happen. That's it. It is. I know when I say it out loud, I realize I missed. I actually missed out on something. Yeah, you did. Come on, <laughs> you're smart guys. Start thinking. But okay. remember, the symbolism of that alcohol was so yeah, that's right. right. That's right. They turned it symbolic. Yeah, because that was it. his dead wife's alcohol or something. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're gonna have a drink, and then she just turns like she's just like she throws the trope away and spills the booze on the computer yeah. and. That's that's why it's so genius. And so I just like, don't know if that played exactly the way you hoped, Adam Wingard. I, I I'm looking forward to whatever Adam Wingard does next. I just hope it's not a Godzilla movie. <laughs> that dude's a super talent, and man, oh man, I like. And he I, probably I, made some money on the deal, and oh yeah, you know. God bless him, man. I take that deal for sure. I have no 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 harm no foul. I mean, like as much as my opinion matters on any of that stuff. I would. I. I'm not going to criticize the dude for taking an extremely big. I pretty much just went against everybody. (laughs) I always said I take that bad actually. You know, but yeah, people do things for money. I understand, and money is great. I could use it, but it's. uh, I don't know. I always feel like you don't really have many chances up at bat. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and so it's. if they're really tough decisions, life decisions, because it's like, will I get this opportunity again? And yeah, someone comes up and hands you this big novelty check like Ed McMahon and says, all you got to do is make a Godzilla movie down. What are you going to do? You know, like, yeah. it would be a hard thing to turn down. I, I totally, I totally get it. I mean, if I had the opportunity to direct a Star Wars movie, I would say yes before my mouth even moved. I'd like project it with my brain. Like, yes, of course. I'd yes, say but yes. that's totally your wheelhouse, as they say in the business. In the parlance so- of our times. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, yeah, I can, I can see that. But what is, what is the, what is the franchise picture that you would direct, Eric? That you would say yes to for a big check? First of all, franchise. I don't think franchise would do any kind of franchise picture. No. Yeah, are you not, not a, a funeral for Berlin, Berlin sequel. Oh, I would well, do that. Enough. Yeah, Fucking there hard. you go. <laughs> I knew there was one. <laughs> oh my god, I would do that or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. Yeah, Eddie John Le Streaming show. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. a Berlin, stuff like that. Or yep. if they did um, any kind of, I always the movie, the shows that I really love. Um, like I loved uh, the season of The Crown. This season. Fourth. Oh, I haven't caught up that far. Well, I'm still actually I love Snowfall. Yeah, you said that was great. I mean, to I check would that direct out. Snowfall in a second. I I like history based. I like real things. I don't like fantasy crap, um, and I don't like uh, creatures and woods and uh, you know 
short guys with canes and walking through the woods. I, don't really like <laughs> I hate those short Middle guys Earth, with canes movies. Middle Earth yeah. shit. And, uh, I like heist films because they're real. Right. Um, what if it's a love, short uh, heist? Like we don't just just. It's a short you know, guy I mean, heist. With a, no, with a cane. we do it. Um, I love stuff like the real stuff. I, you know, you know the kind of movies I would do in a heartbeat. But there's a lot of cool shows out there that I would love to. I would be like, oh, I'd love to direct it. Like, um, I thought, like, like I said, Snowfall, The Crown, right. um, uh, Penny Dreadful, or. Oh, Truman um, loves that show. I've not seen that. Show. Yeah, and stuff like that. I think would be great, 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 great stuff to do. Um, re- there's a lot of great shows on that I really love, and um, I'd even do a doc. Like, I love that uh, Serial Ramirez one, The Night Stalker. Oh yeah, sure, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I would right. on that. I mean, that's yeah, that, that got me hooked. That got me hooked. I like that one quite a bit. Wasn't that good? Oh that man, good. that's kind of fun stuff. But watch Snowfall. It's so good, dude. It's just I'm so engaged good. with the characters, the acting, and it's all true. Not all true, but it's really, it's so damn good. And it's just, yeah. But no, no fantasy or no space crap or like. Have you, you ever know, seen a fantasy movie that you did like? If the sex scenes were good, yeah. Um, Excalibur, like, then. Excalibur. <laughs> uh, as a kid, I was yeah. like, oh, my uh, God. I remember my cool, brother. Man. I remember the theater. <clears throat> I was like, oh, my Everyone's God. Who? Um, and, but, you know, the sword coming out of the water. Okay. Uh, but when I was a kid around that age, I loved, like, Das Boot. Yeah, fucking Das Boot Rock. Uh, uh, great Blade Runner, Das Boot. Yeah. Um, I loved war movies. World War II, love right. those films. What's uh, your favorite war like, movie? Um, I love, like, um, like there was a whole series in the 60s that I just loved because they, the colors matched the comic books. Because yeah. my favorite comic is, like, either Tintin mm-hmm. or Sergeant Rock. Yeah, and Sergeant Rock's pretty, pretty dope. Great to get Tintin with Sergeant Rock yeah. and do a whole series on that. <laughs> I love over like the bridge of River Kwai movies, guns of Navarone, force 10 Navarone. Um, I even love a bridge too far. Like oh, that's 70s. a fun movie, dude. Yeah, I really. Yeah, that's too far. There's a state of '70s war movies that I that they made that it was I really great, enjoy. You know, and Kelly's Bridge, Heroes. Bridge Too and Far is so packed with actors. It's the, the it's great almost escape. Hysterical, yeah. Great like, Escape. Um, yeah. Also. Um, even stuff like um, the one that John Wayne did, uh, The Sands of Hiroshima. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Stuff like that. Love those kind of movies. Yeah. Love hey, those I, kind of movies. Uh, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up a little bit sooner sure. if that's okay with you guys. But uh, listeners, sure. if you guys. How are, long has it been, Chris? For sure. Well, this, <laughs> we've been going two and a half hours, but we had like 45 minutes before. <laughs> Where, yeah, we should do a little best of from that bit. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to cut that out, I think. Yeah. But uh, uh, but anyway, so just um, anyway, so we're going to try to get, uh, you know, obviously we're, we'll, uh, we need to wrap it up because it's getting late here and I got to figure out a couple things. Uh, but if you guys have, again, remember, if you guys have uh, ideas of things you guys want us, not just movies now, let us know what kind of merch you want. Or if you have a really cool catchphrase, of Martini Giant. You remember, yeah, exactly. You remember, send it over to us on Twitch or Twitter. Such as, or, uh, what is it, uh, Chum Slick? Chum Slick? 
Chum Slick. Chum Slick. Two in the Drink. Yes, classics. <laughs> True classics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we and we come up with most of our great ones. We don't come up with ourselves. It's actually audience participation. It's when audience. you come to uh, yes. hang out and chat, especially during watch parties. Which the we watch do. parties tend to get really hilarious. So yeah. I highly recommend. And, and our next watch party, I believe, is going to be excellently hilarious because we're going to be doing Life Force. Yes. Is that true? Okay, so if people are. Way, uh, our last one was pretty damn good. I, that I was funny say, shit, dude. That was I great, great stuff. If you, like, like it, I recommend that people go to, like, look at our Twitch channel and you will see the recording of last watch party. You can sync it up by renting, I'm sorry that you have to pay for it, but by renting Gene Hackman in the Domino Principle and right. you can line up our uh, audio with that. That was hysterical. Chat was hysterically funny. Yes. Gold all the way through. And, and we uh, tried to basically, when we're doing our, our, our live streams now, we're trying to give you a countdown so you can start it at the same time and watch right, it. Right, so you can enjoy time. it and rent it legitimately and enjoy it with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yes, Life Force will be coming up, I believe, next weekend? The next Probably weekend. next week. I also want to do Day After Tomorrow as a watch party because I think that's going to make a really good watch party. Yeah, because that way, like Chris uh, worked on Day After Tomorrow and there's going to be a lot of stories, a lot of addition to be done on that, uh, on that particular picture in the VFX department. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Life Force, before you join us in the Rock Party, I would say, please Google Life Force and see if this is your kind of movie because it may not be your kind of movie yeah. for lots of reasons. <laughs> it may be our first uh, watch party that involves nudity as well, I think. And, is it really? And, yeah. and all of it. Which one is Life Force? That's that the, is the one. That's the next the, movie we're watching. It is based on. I'm going to advertise right after it. If you have not seen Life Force, Life Force is a Toby Hooper movie. Toby Hooper co-director, not co-director, directed. Uh, uh, Poltergeist. Uh, Poltergeist. He did, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Texas uh, Chainsaw uh, Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And he's a wonderful director. Life Force is very underrated because it's a uh, it's a Hammer horror style mad, crazy, weirdo horror science fiction movie, when which based on a book called The Space Vampires. And it's about a NASA crew that uh, hooks up with a spaceship that was traveling in Halley's Comet. And on board are, is a naked vampire woman who comes to Earth and spreads this sort of semi-demonic zombie disease that spreads throughout all of the Earth and electrocutes people and turns them into exploding puppets of Ronald Reagan. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's got Patrick Stewart and a bunch of other great actors in it, plus the star, Patrick Steve Railback, who I will definitely sing the praises of. Life Force. Check it out with us, Martini Giant, next Saturday. Uh, watch Party. Make sure that you have Amazon Prime in order to watch it with us. And you can write us about this at Martini Giants uh, Twitter. You can uh, connect, connect with us on Martini underscore Giant and Instagram. You can write us directly, podcast at martinigiant.com. Uh, we are soon going to be putting out uh, merchandise of uh, shirts and mugs at the very least, but uh, we are going to put, what's the, uh, what's the a company we're going through, Eric? Threadless. The, uh, Threadless. So if there's anything uh, that Threadless makes that you're interested in us making a version of, please let us know just yep. to sort of like get a head count that we can design some product for it. The stuff that's already been come up with that Eric has put out is absolutely fucking hysterical. Mm -hmm. And we uh, like I can't wait to have my own Martini Chat merch coming out of this. Um, but let us know about that. Let us and know. And the other things, like too. To we can also fast track stuff. If we, I'm just throwing it out there, Chris, if we have a watch party, I know you are against watch parties, Chris, and Dan and I are, anyway, if we have a watch party and something funny comes up, we can probably fast track 24, 48 hours graphics and put Turn it around. up. 
fast service just for you. Your thread list is you just send it up so we can do per watch party, Chris. Yeah. Like this is t-shirts you know on demand I mean? by yeah. Eric Sheely. You know what I mean? Like I do something. know what you mean, and you're the person who's gonna do it because I can't yeah, I you Eric, operate at a speed that is little. If you guys want to see how fast up. Eric works, like look at the gallery section of the website for But I do it only at night. It's when I'm insane. Out with my the guy generates like it's he doesn't sleep, it just generates no, no, nonstop no, beautiful I, art. I do it at the end of the day. I'm hanging out up with my daughter on a couch. I can with a laptop jam this stuff out. You're like a you're like a uh, a, a Geekly printer that just like just constantly generates new incredible looking stuff. I'm just it's this is the the way of the future. Yeah, Eric Sheely t-shirts on. This, but, yeah, just saying. I like, think if we did the, the thank you. I think if we did it though really fast, it might be good if we have funny moments. I love it. And I think it's amazing. It out. But Threadless, the cool thing about Threadless is it's not like we have to pre-order six thousand. No, yeah, it's print on demand. Yeah, right, it's print That's on right. demand. And then, like, how many how many shows are on there on Twitch right now where you can suggest what you want to see as a product, and then the, the artist on Twitch will turn that around and turn that into that thing that you want within 24 hours? I bet that I've, I'm gonna if I'm not a betting man, but I would bet on Eric Shealy to be able to fulfill that promise. Well, that, for you. <laughs> on, but the point is, we could also do it like a limited edition, Chris. Absolutely. Dan. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just coming up with ideas right now, like a watch party mug. Oh, you know, I love like, it, dude. And we do a series of 10. Dude, we can get everybody on the watch party that day uh, to make uh, orders for the watch party shirts that they Out watch. Out by and, Tuesday. And that's and we just it. do something funny using the artwork that we actually incorporated in, and we get it out, make a mug, and there's a set of 10 or 20 for fans. <laughs> I think that is absolutely brilliant. That we can do. That can be done. That's the but, beautiful thing about Threadless, and it's great because I can just upload it on a template. It's done. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is gonna be and a the launch will charge maybe. And this Dave, is all Dave wants a martini giant neck gator that has Dan's beard in it. That, that <laughs> will happen. And we are, thank you, Dave. We are working on that right now. We're just dealing with some of the technical stuff. But if we do those fast track, those mugs, we can, and these are rough numbers, guys, maybe $800 to $1,200 a mug. And those are rough numbers, rough numbers. Yeah, just, uh, just ballparking, just ballparking. Well, you know, just. Probably a little bit more, but just to give you an idea, we'll break even at that point. So, yes. we're gonna yeah. break even. Good mugs, these are good. Oh, mugs, of course, they are yeah, sturdy. You can drop yeah. them from like a if you want a mug with our mug on it. If you want a mug with our mug on it, then you can get it that way. This yeah. is it, this is how we're gonna do it. But yes, please hit us up with movies that you want to see and watch parties that you want to do. Uh, for watch parties, obviously, we said every uh, week that you want to pick movies that are uh, movies you don't mind us talking about because we're going to do that part. And right. better, movies that are so ridiculous, either ridiculous fun or ridiculous bad, that you want to hear our commentary on or share the awesome commentary from our Twitch fans. Our, here's here's Twitch what I suggest. We, Eric, I've got an idea. We're going to do the Chris Nolan series mugs. Right. So we'll have the Inception <laughs> mug. The Inception mug will be a mug with a picture of a mug and a picture of a mug and a picture of a mug. Picture of a mug and a mug right? and a mug. Right. Or, and then or we'll, do, we'll do the tenant mug, we'll which one, will have we'll a, a one, mug with two handles on both sides. And we'll do one called uh, we'll do one called Hello Hello Lens Flare. And we'll just do like yeah, lens flare. there it is. There it is. There it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's how to do it. No doubt. All right. We're going to wrap this up and I'm going to close this Twitch stream. Are you guys ready? Yes. Drink. Talk. Drink. Always. Always take time. (laughs) (laughs) The pregnant pause.